0: I'm Dr. Future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future.
1: And I'm Tom, Florocaine dose bionic.
0: Fluorocaine dose. That's two, right? I know yes. my Spanish. Yeah. Yeah. As I told you before, fluorocaine should be the name of a chemical company.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, it it, it leaking closed. hazardous waste. Yeah. It is the fruit producing part of the blackberry bush.
0: Well, everybody can stop listening now. They've learned something this week from Future Quake. Mm-hmm. But like for you to stick around, it's great to have you this week. Um, we had quite a doozy of a time getting some things bugged out here, mm-hmm. and to this point, we still don't know. Maybe somebody did not want you to hear what we're going to talk about well, this week.
1: Apparently, flora were the most important secret in the world. <laughs> Either that or it could
0: be real boring. Hey, it's good to be back with you, brother.
1: You, you too, man. I, I, you know, We always say this, but it's just good to be looking across the table at you and mm-hmm. know that I'm going to learn something and hopefully contribute something for the discussion. And, and not in a camp
0: at yep, the time when we're done. Yeah, I
1: don't have any handcuffs
0: on and I haven't been prodded with a cattle prod. Mm-hmm. That's right. I, I think a lot of us could be thankful for that. Yep. It's great to be back with you all. Um just want to remind you, uh, we'll be uploading this show, I believe, on the 25th of March, which will mm-hmm. be one week, uh, from the Politics of Religion Conference on April 1st and 2nd. Mm-hmm. If you've been on the fence, please come. Yeah. Please come. Come on down. Uh, Tom and I both on our respective presentations have put like seven, eight hundred hours in I'm this. I'm thinking
1: about, I'm thinking about making mine into a multi hour documentary. Is that right? Yeah. Like
0: a mini series?
1: Yeah. I want to get, uh, Robert Urich and, uh, is that right? Maybe Danny Glover and well, I John talked, Malkovich to play. I
0: talked to the Library Derrick's. of Congress about having a copy of it. They said they didn't have the storage space <laughs> for the materials that I have. Ladies and gentlemen, please come. Um something we put a lot of work into, and uh, I think you want to catch it and uh, check this out. Probably no other conference would be willing to have us to talk about this stuff. So well, they not sure here. won't after I get done. Well, yeah, they won't, they won't later afterwards. If you can, please come to the conference. Go to thepoliticsofreligion.com and sign up. 75 bucks, you get at least a couple of meals, right? Mm-hmm. Like you nice get, catered meals? You get
1: two nice catered meals. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I think you and I will be eating there. And well, see. that should just draw people just to set proximity of us. Yeah, I, I know.
1: I'll shower. It's going to be awesome.
0: Yeah. S- sometimes I, uh, you know, w- will spit a little bit when I'm eating like that. You know, I can't yeah, always have the good... Drool, get the drool cut. Yeah, I don't always have good eating etiquette, so you might want to keep a few chairs over. But other yeah. than that, it would be great to see everybody. Speaking of seeing everybody, I've got to tell you, uh, today... I had a strange day. You know, normally I don't leave the house other than the church. You know, yeah, you I sit like, up there on that one sofa cushion you next the Pyro. drive by your
1: house, and it's like I knock on the door and look in, and there's like a bunch of people in lab coats with something on a raised mm-hmm. platform and Pyro running around. Well,
0: pretty much that that sofa that I cushion I sat on yeah. is basically there's no cushion left. It actually to it.
1: says it actually says "Iken," <laughs> which is Nike backwards. Uh, you know? uh, yeah.
0: yeah, you know that's that's really not exaggerating. In fact, I don't know if a lot of you listeners know, but uh, probably one of the the longest time things that I do, I know you have your own things your ministries, is just answering email. I spend, I figured it out the the day, on average, over five hours a day answering email. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, if uh, if sometimes you get a rather brief answer sometimes, or if I have to tell you, like, I'll have to get back with you on a documentary or something. I want you to get the leads. I want you to tell us uh, what we should follow up, because a lot of those end up being our shows. Mm-hmm. So please do that. But just bear with me. Sometimes I get a little slow on the draw. Mm-hmm. uh getting some of those out because um I really want your emails but boy I think the lord's telling me I need to get writing I need to be getting yeah, some stuff you down on paper mentioned that you've mentioned so, that quite a few times uh you know, oh I was going to tell you people I met today had some futurians uh-huh. met um and I normally I don't use last names of their futurians but since this man's a celebrity I can brother Dell Stacker who uh wrote the book The Lady Gangster Yeah I
1: have that sitting in the passenger seat of my
0: car Yeah uh very accomplished writer. Uh, unlike us, he actually is a, a man of accomplishment media. Um, he uh, called me up and said, why don't you come downtown? I'm downtown, and we'll have breakfast. And we had oh, about two and a half hours of solving the world's problems. Sweet. And it leads me. I wish both, I was there. Both these gentlemen, it leads me to the realization that, you, you know, the the most interesting man in the world on the... Uh, well, I, I, I do know him, commercial. actually. He's <laughs> sitting across from me. Shh. Talking about pyro. Uh, no, but, you know, either. those are so cool commercials. The most interesting man in the world. Uh-huh. That describes our Futurian listeners. Yeah. That's, that's the way they are. They are the most interesting people in the world that we it's have. It's
1: a very wide, wide swath, isn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. But uh, <clears throat> the other, uh, so we had a great time. And I want to thank Dale for breakfast. And uh, and then um, Brother Bob, uh, one of our listeners, who actually is one of the uh, um, NRB-13 Mm-hmm. You can see Bob's picture up at, at the website. Magic thirteen. We we had an animated lunch today and uh, had a very you good time. You guys drawn stuff, what? No, no, just just lively discussion oh, and okay. things like that. No, we didn't come to blows. We we're actually in agreement. So I just want to give a call out to those guys and and uh, love all you futureing listeners out there. Uh, there's something that I have been forgetting for the last month. This is mm-hmm. almost one month of the day since I last did this. And uh Andrew Hoffman's gonna yell at me if I don't not because yep. he's the one that set this up. He's like the sixth beetle. I wanna thank um the folk out there, our futurians that have been supporting us with some donations and uh buying our book sets. So sweetness. Just let me just mention our two book set mm-hmm. uh with uh Lies of Government Told You by Judge Andrew DiPolitano and the um uh Eugenics Wars and mm-hmm. The New World Order and the Eugenics Wars by mm-hmm. Andrew Hoffman. That two book set <coughs> which I highly recommend everybody mm-hmm. out there, please get a set. We've discounted them for their list price and in special packaging. Um, if this, The, the Future Quake ministry is going to be severely curtailed in doing what it can do if our Futurians do not talk to their family and friends, mm-hmm. even though we all have a collectively shared experience of everybody thinking we're nuts. Uh, every Futurian I talk to... Says their family thinks they're crazy They're yeah. talking about what we talk about on the show.
1: Well, I'll tell you one thing that I've noticed if, you know, if you're in an airplane going down, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, heading at a 45 degree angle towards right. a mountain. Right. If you can, if you can deflect that thing like 1%, yeah. you've still done something. Right. You know. And, and if, if you
0: have a little bit longer time before the mountain, you can make a big difference in whether you hit yeah, the mountain, Yeah, yeah.
1: Right? You know, next time around, you might deflect it 2 or 3 or 4% pretty right. soon.
0: But, I mean, you know, if you're 3 feet away, it's not going to do much help. But if you're, like, 20,000 feet away, yeah, 1% three, can make at, a big at difference. Yeah, 3
1: feet, it's might as well just, like, right, into right. the, you know.
0: So, you know, we don't know when the Lord's coming back or everything else is coming down. So so please try to do what you can to talk to people you know. If they won't listen, get on the chat rooms on the Internet uh, mm-hmm. What we talk about on our show will not grow if our Futurians don't take it upon themselves to try to at least take some of these favorite topics of each of you and put a link to Future Quake and some of the message boards or talk about it at lunch or whatever. But these books are a great way to break the ice with people you know. Mm-hmm. And so if you'd please check it out. And I, wa- I want to thank uh, – and you just go to the front of futurequake.com. You can get them right from there and they'll get right out to you. Um, James in Arizona – uh Ricky in Indiana and Norman in Oklahoma. It's funny, Norman, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. But Norman, Oklahoma. Norm uh, I've sure never uh, heard that. Well that's a town, Norman, Oklahoma, you know. oh. I think a university. Oh Norman. A, yeah, I thought Norman. you said
1: Norman, Oklahoma. No,
0: Norman. Um, thank you all for ordering the book sets. And I also want to thank for people who have made some generous donations to our show. Um I mentioned Steven, uh Lydia in Texas, uh Bob in Tennessee, uh, Rainey. Um, Jason, uh, JD, uh, Andrew in Oregon, and Louise in Delaware have all all made donations to help further this ministry. Fat. And it makes Fat city. it helps the rest of you Futurians be able to have a show here. Yeah, they're helping to pay the bills, to help us out with the mm-hmm. internet and our cost of doing our things like the NRB mm-hmm. and some other things that we got going on down the line to try to get the word out a little bit better. And I uh, also would like to thank Hickory out there in Oklahoma. For ordering the Frightening book, uh, which is still available. If you look in the front of futurequake.com, it's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrote a chapter in that. And you have some other people, like, I think Mike Kaiser, Yeah. Some other people have written in that book as Chris Pinto. Mm-hmm. So, enough of that. I just wanted to thank. That goes all the way back to the 23rd of February. So, oh. that's one month of activity right there. So, uh, would love to hear from the rest of you all too. Uh, donation or not, or whatever. Yeah. We'd like to hear from you. So, okay. That's it. Um, Ready to move on. you want to strike out on some news? You do it. No, I don't want to have you. All right. I'll do
1: a, tell you what. I'll do a short one. All right. Um, uh, if you say protest on a phone in China, it cuts off automatically.
0: <laughs> what?
1: Yeah. This is from the Business Insider. In business, you know, fairly well known. It's not like
0: conspiratronics or anything. Hey, uh, I want to say hey to Nathan out there in Japan. You said in Japan it does it? Uh, China. Oh, China. Oh, shoot. I was going to ask you. I thought I heard Japan. Yeah, uh, If
1: you say protest on a phone in China, it cuts off automatically. China is tightening... This is uh, uh, thebusinessinsider.com. China is tightening up its online censorship even more, the Times reports. The story recounts an eye-opening anecdote. A Chinese entrepreneur was on the phone with his girlfriend and quipped, quoting Shakespeare. The lady doth protest too much. Mm-hmm. Upon the word protest... The phone cut off. He was speaking in English, but this has also happened to people speaking in Mandarin, so it's not just a one-off. This and other events like Gmail being blocked in China show that in the wake of protests in the Middle East and elsewhere, the Chinese government is likely tightening up its control over the Internet even more. Uh, interestingly, this has Chinese Internet stocks rising. It also shows the amazing technical prowess of China's censors, they're able to monitor and speech recognize millions of phone conversations in English and Mandarin in real time and cut them off. It is an amazing technological feat. Meanwhile, Burma, a Chinese ally and one of the world's reclusive dictators, is cracking down on Skype, which is one of the few gateways to the outside world. Uh, VPN services, which, which allow computers, computer users to circumvent the Great Firewall, are being increasingly disrupted, and it's generally much harder now to access sites outside the Firewall. Uh, it's hard to see a silver lining here. The Chinese government is clearly scared of online activism and is doing everything it can to clamp down, and this is affecting everyone beyond online activists. So. Wow.
0: That's scary, man. I mean, we've heard about that coming, mm-hmm. but it's here.
1: Well, uh, at some point I'd like to do a show where uh, um, I've, I've kind of done a roundup of articles on this thing called Main Core uh and yeah. it's uh you know it's it's everything i just sort of said except for us but a whole lot more um they actually have it supposedly according to one account they have it so it's like synced up in real time people yeah. have kind of the equivalent of like a like an i you know an iphone kind of yeah. a thing that communicates can communicate over the internet and has uh the ability to access this stuff real time on people there investigating or looking into or chasing. Or you know, whatever.
0: this would be the time for an entrepreneur to come up with encryption software for phone conversations.
1: That's an interesting idea.
0: That would actually change it. Like like if you had a box on your end and somebody you called regularly had it on their end mm-hmm. and you could send it scrambled and then back out. Yeah, that'd be cool. I mean, really, I mean, it's sad to say, but uh, I think we're just about there, particularly for a critical phone conversation. Like if they do this on the Internet over there, just think about when um, you know, on our show, if they did a block where it shut down if you heard Nethilum or or Rockefeller, we'd be sunk. And you wouldn't hear any shows. <laughs> You're
1: welcome to Future Quake. <laughs> Click.
0: Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Okay, thank you. That's sets a tone for us here. Yeah. Um that was an
1: uplifting one I thought.
0: You know, the last two news shows that we've had, I've been on this crazy chase about what's going on with the fight against Sharia Law. Mm-hmm. And the players who are involved, and how uh, some of these people are direct CIA agents like Woolsey, or, or guys from the Defense Department. I, and you
1: know, I'll tell you, I, I have I in in working on my presentation, I've come up with some very interesting stuff. I might be able to add to this in the future.
0: Plug in to yeah. the bigger picture. Well, yeah, I'd like to I'd like to add it well, because you know the last two weeks we've had new dimensions of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, General well, Boykin, for example. Well, there's a
1: long history. It turns out. Uh, uh James Angleton the mm-hmm. uh, the first head of the counterintelligence division right. Knight of Malta uh his counterpart in Italy that was yeah. largely responsible for the strategy of tension yeah. Knight of Malta William Donovan
0: mm-hmm.
1: Knight of Malta Colby Colby Knight of Malta yeah uh there was I, I had a list of about eight guys I'm
0: Sure that's all a coincidence I'm
1: sure 4 hours out of what was the number Mhm uh, one
0: thousand one hundred and fifteen. We've talked about 70. Rick Joyner now being a Knight of Malta, yeah. uh, and about how these people now are pushing through evangelical circles to say we need to basically—they've—they've they've just stopped short of saying let's take up arms immediately mm-hmm. and, and, and attack these people. Um, so the email that I've gotten so far, I thought mm-hmm. I bored the people to death with this, down like you know a red herring. It, they seem to be very very interested in it, mm-hmm. and one of the emailers that sent something. Tipped me off on something else that took me down another trail the last Uh-oh. few days. So, if you, dun, if you don't dun, mind, dun, dun, dun. this is Futurian Brother Kurt in Manchester, Tennessee. Uh, he says, Dear Dr. Future and Tom Bionic, he says, I recently discovered your show when doing a search on iTunes. I listened to one show and found your topics and approach interesting. I then listened to another and heard you give a shout out to one of my good friends, Jeff Fenton. Now, Jeff Fenton, you know, is the guy that mm-hmm. runs NashvilleChristian.com. Yep. So I thought you must be okay. So evidently Jeff has some pull out he's there. A, he's a kingmaker. Yeah. Jeff gave a ringing endorsement, too. So now I have become a faithful podcast downloader and listener. I've got a long way to go if I intend to join the elite club of those who have listened to every show, though. So be patient. Clock's you know, ticking, bro. It's really not that I'll lead a club because almost everybody says they've gone through the whole, you know, over 500 hours of archive shows. So I know that, I, know that I have. Have you? But I was in most of them. So. Yeah, that's true. It was uh, only
1: like 100 hours when I started doing Future Quakes.
0: Well, yeah, a little, about 200. Oh, was it too? Yeah. yeah. A couple of weeks ago, one of my friends returned from a convention in Florida and gave me a DVD of a documentary called Iranium. It is a 2011 movie put out by the Clarion Fund and includes many comments by people I've heard you talk about on your show, most notably Frank Gaffney, who happens to be on the advisory board of the Clarion Fund. I'd like to get your take on this film and be glad to send you my copy if you don't have one. He says, on another topic, I want to tell you how fascinating I found the topic of Rick Joyner and the Knights of Malta. I've read at least three books by Rick Joyner and years ago used to subscribe to his quarterly publication. Since then, I've had some concerns about his ministry, but have mostly left them unsaid. When you got into the topic of the Knights of Malta, it gave rise to new concerns. As it happens, the next day I was listening to a friend share... How many years ago she had to break spiritual bondage in her life that came from a long family history with the Knights of Malta. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Wow. When I told her about Rick Joyner joining the Knights of Malta, she expressed incredulity and shock. I later went to his Morningstar website and read the article for myself. It's all very troubling to me, but I want to thank you for calling my attention to that. For a close, I want to say thank you for your work on Future Quake. I enjoy the shows. I've had a lot of archive shows to keep me busy for a while. God bless you, brothers, and keep up the faithful fight in His joy, Kurt. So, Kurt, I want to thank you not only for encouraging us, but also for tipping me off on something you embedded in there. And and I've already mentioned to you on email, but this goes to you and any other futurians. Um, if any of y'all have uh, have anybody you know that had something like he describes about this negative impact of people with family nights of malta mm-hmm. um we're, we're just trying to find answers mm-hmm. we're not trying to stick a you know finger at anybody or anything like that we're just trying to find that out and um i want to talk about this clarion fund okay please but first something that we need to do to catch up on the general thing and i'm going to try to take breaks periodically so we'll get to your stories okay this so. is
1: like a you know, typically I'll do like two or three stories that all pertain to each other, but I find this really fascinating. So don't. No,
0: I just don't want to dominate our conversation here. So, so just say, hey, time for a break. Let's do some. <laughs> okay, here. This is just now. People are gonna laugh at me. I'm gonna talk about the Wikipedia entry for Frank Gaffney. Wow, yeah. Wikipedia. I mean, most of the people that are really, really famous people, that are distinguished people, usually their write-ups have a lot of references you know, about events in their mm-hmm. life and things that happen. Many times it comes from their own websites yeah, or articles and major magazines. You know. So if you question the thing said here, go look it up yourself and look up the references that you can click on Wikipedia to the source material, okay? Uh, this is Frank Gabney. Now, he is sort of at the center of this universe of the anti-Muslim Sharia law combination of the Dominionist, uh, conservative leaders, CIA people, mm-hmm. okay? So it's important to know more about him. Uh, by the way, if any of y'all watch Fox News, he's on all the time. He's got, you know, this distinguished beard. He always comes across as a very distinguished uh, government high-level official that's mm-hmm. an expert in the field. So that's mm-hmm. the guy we're talking about. It says, Frank J. Gaffney, Jr. Uh, is the founder and president of the American Center for Security Policy, columnist at the Washington Times, blogger at Big Peace and radio of Secure Freedom Radio. Uh, Let's see. Uh, it says that uh, he was a 1975 graduate of the School of Foreign Service at Georgetown University. He holds a graduate degree from Johns Hopkins University in the School of Advanced International Studies. He began his public service career in the 70s working as an aide in the office of Democratic Senator Henry M. Jackson. So started out in Democratic support, although he's a conservative yeah, he was, guy. Yeah, I was going to say he's generally considered to be a conservative right. Under Richard Pearl. Uh, from August 83 to November 87, he held a position of De- Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Nuclear Forces and Arms Control Policy in the Reagan administration, uh, again, serving under Pearl. And that, I mean, that's a pretty high-level position to go yeah, with limited sort of like, yeah. background up the chain.
1: Uh, that's what I was thinking. How did he get I mean,
0: there? He's got some academic credentials, but I mean that's pretty high level without a long yeah. history.
1: Welcome to the club. You're now in charge <laughs> yeah. of everything.
0: Evidently Pearl had pretty good coattails. Yeah. In April eighty seven, Gaffney was nominated to the position of U.S. Assistant Secretary of Defense for International Security Policy. He acted he served as the acting assistant secretary for seven months, though his confirmation was ultimately blocked by the United States Senate. Hmm. In nineteen eighty eight Gaffney established the Center for Security Policy, CSP, a conservative national security and defense policy organization. The CSP is, now catch this, subsidized by donors supportive of conservative causes, including the Sarah Mellon Scaife Foundation.
1: The Scaife, Center. Yes.
0: The Shelby Cullum Davis Foundation and William H. Donner. Gaffney appeared on Fahrenheit 9 Hype the conservative documentary that was intended as a rebuttal to Michael Moore's liberal film Fahrenheit nine one one. He is also a regular guest on MSNBC's Hardball with Chris Matthews. He was an executive producer for the documentary Islam vs Islamist Voices from the Muslim Center. The documentary was created to air as part of an American crossroads series on PBS, but it has not been shown. Gaffney is the lead author of War Footing by the Naval Institute Press. A collection of essays that offer ten specific steps that Americans, as individuals and communities, can take to ensure their way of life and safety, of individuals and as communities, can take, to, uh, see, to ensure their way of life and safety and the future well-being of their children and grandchildren. So maybe I was presumptive when I said he, he sort of had like a, a warlike view toward the Islamic thing with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. War yeah, <laughs> um, he's the founder member of the Set America Free Coalition, dedicated to reducing dependence on foreign oil, as well as the current iteration of the Committee on the Present Danger. And let me mention on this foreign oil thing: when we when we we try to figure out the motives of these people, some of them are ideological, some of them could be spiritual, some of them are just financial, because when you have um, uh, Woolsey James Woolsey, who was here in town during the NRB at that conference mm-hmm. his push and i've been watching him on tv talk about this is that because of the islamic threat we need to get away from foreign oil to to get away from the middle east and that necessarily is a bad idea to get mm-hmm. out of the middle east to stranglehold but it turns out he is a major um he's on the board uh and has a big financial stake in a group generating these exact alternative energy sources that he's proclaiming mm. so he's taking it from some political standpoint but he really is trying to Get Mm -hmm. this stuff to take off for financial interest he has. Strange. Okay. Sad. Um, Along with a number of figures who later assumed leading positions in the George W. Bush administration, Gaffney was one of 25 signatories on the June 3, 1997 Statement of Principles from the Project for the New American Century. You remember that? Project?
1: Only a little too well.
0: Okay. An educational and political advocacy organization whose stated goal was to promote American global leadership. PNAC. I.e. Uh, American exceptionalism. That is yeah. our divine right to control the world's activities. Yeah. You know, Run I by found Bill Kristol, regular on Fox News.
1: Speaking of speaking of that, you
0: know, I found a very
1: interesting quote that just popped into my head. Yeah. Uh, this was a CIA analyst sort of speaking in an unvarnished Mm-hmm. Context, and he says, "You know, I'll tell you guys what. Quite frankly, the United States needs to every every decade or so find some crappy little country and take it and slam it against the wall just to make sure that the rest of the world knows we mean business."
0: Who said that?
1: I'll look it up. Um, I'll it's a he was a he was a CIA security analyst. Okay,
0: all right. So, oh, I'm sure he's probably the only one that had that kind of mindset. <laughs> yeah. But now the the this PNAC document, um. Was the one who said that we needed some kind of Pearl Harbor event mm-hmm. to galvanize their plan, and to mm-hmm. accelerate their plan. This was right before the 911 event. Um, now, in 2002, Gaffney publicly ac- accused Grover Norquist, an anti-tax activist and prominent Republican strategist, for alleged ties to radical Islamist groups attempting to influence the Bush administration. Gaffney said a press release by the American Muslim Council credited Ali Tulba, a Bush White House aide, for getting them access to the administration. Norquist banned Gaffney from the uh, weekly Wednesday meeting of the Leave Us Alone coalition that Norquist hosted. Norquist later later wrote an open letter accusing Gaffney of racial prejudice, religious bigotry, and ethnic hatred, calling Gaffney a sick little bigot. His whole life screams of bigotry and that uh, what he said is just part of a pattern. Frank Gaffney and Osama bin Laden shared the same view on the relationship between the United States and Islam. I agree with the president, President Bush, in rejecting Osama bin Laden's and Frank Gaffney's worldview. In 2011, Gaffney accused Norquist of helping the Muslim Brotherhood spread its influence in the nation's capital. So he's he stood this ground for some time and dug with other conservatives, okay? Mm-hmm. In a front-page story in the Wall Street Journal, Carl Rove dismissed Gaffney's assertion regarding Bush, stating, there's no there there. In an article appearing in the 2007 edition of Vanity Fair about neoconservatives who pushed for the 2003 invasion of Iraq, Gaffney said of Bush, he doesn't, in fact, seem to be a man of principle who's steadfastly pursuing what he thinks is the right course. He talks about it, but the policy doesn't track with the rhetoric, and that's what creates the incoherence that causes us problems around the world and at home. So, see, he doesn't—he didn't think George W. Bush was hawkish enough in dealing with the problem, you know, other than invading Iraq and you know Afghanistan. Uh, on MSNBC's Hardball, Chris Matthews, Gaffney, commenting on the 2003 invasion of Iraq, said, "My p- position is that it is regrettable that any Americans died. It is regrettable that they had to die." Um, I don't know if they had to die if he did invade, but, uh, but I believe that uh, you gotta, that well, you they gotta did. gotta break a few eggs, man. Well, he mean, says on, I man. believe that they did have to die. Great. From the Americans, the threat we did I know. Hope
1: it's, I hope it's like he's sending his kids into the military. I don't see any sign of that. Like that.
0: The threat that we did know was about the chemical capability that Saddam Hussein had used against his own people. Now those were the chemical weapons we gave him, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Those yes. are the ones
0: that he got from us. The potential for biological agents was um, were real. There was evidence that there was an ongoing nuclear program. The danger was inaction that could have resulted in the deaths of a great many more Americans than the 4,000. And that's the reason I'm still delighted that we did what we did in Iraq. Uh, he says uh, in 2003, Gaffney called on the United States military to, quote, take out the Al Jazeera news network for inciting violence against the Western world by showcasing Osama bin Laden and Saddam Hussein's call to arms. So Mm. does that mean if media are are not saying what you like, you just take them out? Take them out. Because we're Americans. And Americans, if somebody says something you don't like, you just kill them.
1: Yeah. Every once in a while, you got to grab a little country and slam them against the wall just to we, make sure you... You know, when business. you're a Christian
0: nation, it, it comes handy that you can just kill people yep. when they disagree with you and, and be right. Mm-hmm. It says, in a 2000, February 2009 Washington Times column, Gaffney accused President Obama of embracing the agenda of the Muslim Brotherhood, a political organization banned in several countries in the Middle East. In April 2009, at least he's consistent with yeah, everybody. Yeah. Uh, uh, we need to kill them all. Gaffney appeared on television and accused President Obama of using coded language to indicate that America would submit to Sharia law. Coded language. So he was actually saying that we would submit to Sharia law, uh Obama was. He was just using coded language to say it. Okay, uh, in June 9, 2009, Washington Times article, Gaffney wrote, with Mr. Obama's unbelievably b- ballyhoot address in Cairo Thursday to what he calls the Muslim world, There is mounting evidence that the president not only identifies with Muslim, but he actually may still be one himself. Gaffney continued this theme on February 24, 2010 in his column on Andrew Breitbart's big government blog when Gaffney attacked the administration's plans to modernize and update the missile defense program as, quote, a U.S. submission to Islam from an Alinsky acolyte, citing as evidence the redesigned logo of the missile defense agency. So the actual logo of the missile defense was a sign that he had submitted to Islam, talking about uh, Obama. He says, Team Obama's anti-anti-missile initiatives are not simply acts of unilateral disarmament of the sort to be expected from an Alinsky acolyte. They seem to fit an increasingly obvious and worrying pattern of official U.S. submission to Islam and the theopolitical legal program the latter uh, authorities call Sharia. What could be code-breaking evidence of the latter explanation is to be found in the newly disclosed redesign of the Missile Defense Agency logo. As Logan helpfully shows, the new MDA shield appears ominously to reflect a morphing of the Islamic crescent and star with the Obama campaign logo. Sweet. However, uh, Al Common reports that the new Missile Defense Agency logo is over three years old and was actually developed during the George Bush administration. So, I doesn't guess... doesn't matter, well, he doesn't was trying to get Sharia into George Bush, yeah, was part he's of a his bow on one strategy, yeah. Gaffney had accused Obama of attempting to buy a larger, more capable aircraft for the k c x contract under the pretext that it cost less than the aircraft made by Gaffney's client, so Gaffney was representing one of the oh competitors, yeah, I in it. there, okay, it says and uh, would you like me a little more on him? please he do got a little more. I just figure he, he's sort of in the mm-hmm. um Center here, ground zero of this. On March 12, 2009, Gaffney appeared on MSNBC's Hardball with Chris Matthews and accused Iraqi President Saddam Hussein of being involved in the 1993 World Trade Center bombing and Oklahoma City bombing. Uh, there's also circumstantial evidence, not proven by any means, but nonetheless some pretty compelling circumstantial evidence of Saddam Hussein's Iraq being involved with the people who perpetrated the 1993 attack on the World Trade Center and even the Oklahoma City bombing uh in I, I don't know if you knew that or not i'm just uh,
1: like I, I you know I, I hate to say this but i just get tired of like listening to like it's like you might learn something here everything's going well, crazy we're making it, up stuff as we go let's, hey
0: let's bring it back home here okay, yeah, okay. in uh in murfreesboro tennessee just down Sweet. the road here uh-huh. uh gaffney testified to support a lawsuit against a planned mosque and Great. that was covered by the Tennessee newspaper here. Mm-hmm. The lawsuit alleged that the county zoning board did not give proper notice to a hearing. However, during eight days of the hearing, the judge allowed mosque opponents to introduce unverified claims or inflammatory statements to include arguing Islam is not a religion and asking a county commissioner if he supported keeping a whip over his bed to we- beat his wife with. Uh, that was what they asked the county commissioner if they were going to do. Uh, although Gaffney was currently not a member of any police or intelligence agency, admitting, yeah, under, yeah, admitting under oath that he is not an expert on Sharia law or Islam, he testified Islam was is a threat to the United States, and by extension the mosque was a threat. So he admitted under oath he's not an expert on Sharia law or Islam. Frank Gaffney, head of the Washington, D.C. Uh, Center for Security Policy, and this comes from the Tennessean, earned a $288,300 salary from his charity, in 2008, you know if that if he didn't get that kind of money, I'd money be wasted on that charity, Yeah, you know, for poor people. Tough. In 2008, Gaffney
1: people who need to eat. Yeah, Gaffney eat. Yeah, in, Gaffney.
0: In 2010, Gaffney, you know, but if you scare people, money's gonna come in. Be That's they're the rolling. thing,
1: man. They're coming for yeah, us. They're scared. coming for us at Future Quake. The track's backing well, up if you don't give us cash. You've got to
0: scare them the right way because, I mean, I yeah. guess we scare people too, but yeah, I but don't, haven't seen yeah. the, that money come in. In 2010, Gaffney, along with co-authors such as former Deputy Unsecretary of Defense for Intelligence, Lieutenant General William Boykin, oh, and former CIA Director James Woolsey, they released a book entitled Sharia, the Threat to America, uh, published by the Center for Security Policy, his group. The book describes what its authors call a stealth jihad. It's so stealthy we can't even see it. That must be thwarted before it's too late, and argues that most mosques in the United States already have been radicalized, that most Muslim social organizations are fronts for violent jihadists, and that Muslims who practice Sharia law seek to impose it in this country. According to the Washington Post... Government terrorism experts called the views expressed in the center's book inaccurate and counterproductive. In other articles, Gaffney claims that the stealth jihad uh, to advance Sharia constitutes sedition. In early 2011, Gaffney charged that the conservative political action conference, CPAC, had, quote, come under the influence of the Muslim Brotherhood, which is working to bring America under Saudi-style Sharia law. Gaffney told the conservative website WorldNet Daily that, Islam has infiltrated the American Conservative Union, the host of CPAC, in the person of Washington attorney and political activist Suhail Khan and a group called Muslims for America. Gaffney also accuses other ACU board member, leading conservative political organizer Grover Norquist, of helping the Muslim Brotherhood spread its influence in the nation's capital. I'm gonna stop there, but I think, do you, do you detect a little trend in his actions?
1: Uh, no. I mean, whatever
0: would you mean? Well, you got to give a guy credit for being consistent. Yeah. Um, everybody's helping bring in Sharia law, particularly his fellow conservatives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's not only it's not only people he doesn't
1: like, but it's people that aren't completely on board. If they're not on his wagon, they're bringing in Sharia yeah. law.
0: Okay, uh, I have some more to share on the Clarion Fund, but go on and give us a story here.
1: Yeah, well, here's a little here's a little palate cleanser. FBI tries to blackmail honorably discharged Marine in becoming an informant because he emailed a Muslim cleric one time. Okay. This is, yeah.
0: That's one thing we want to frown on is is talking to other people in America. Yeah. That's that's dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: this is via the Chicago Sun-Times. Uh, Abi Mashal, I believe I said that right. Uh, A 31-year-old dog trainer from St. Charles said FBI agents told him he ended up on the government's no-fly list because he exchanged emails with a Muslim cleric they were monitoring. The topic, how to raise his children in an interfaith household. Marshall said he has never had any... That's code word for Sharia law. Yeah, interfaith. Sharia. Uh, Marshall said he has never had any links to terror or terrorists and is a patriotic, honorably discharged Marine Corps veteran. Uh, he found he'd been flagged last April when he tried to board a flight to Spokane, Washington to train dogs for a client. Since then, his family members and friends have been questioned, and he said he's lost business because he isn't allowed to fly. That's terrible. Um, Marshall is one of 17 plaintiffs in a lawsuit filed in June by the American Civil Liberties Union over the, over the list. The FBI agents questioned him at Midway Airport, then at his home. Finally, he was summoned to a hotel in Shamsburg where more FBI agents told him he'd been placed on the no-fly list because of an email he had sent to an imam, a Muslim cleric, whom they'd been watching. Mashal said he had sought the imam's advice about raising children in a mixed religion household. Mashal is Muslim, his wife is Christian. He said the agents offered him off to get him off the list if he would become an undercover informant at mosques. He refused and said he okay. feels he was being me, blackmailed.
0: Yeah. What, what, what they're saying, there's nothing in that infra, that email incriminating. There's nothing that's suggesting he's in cahoots or has some kind of plan with him. There's nothing they can hang that on. Mm-hmm. But by even bringing all those agents there and sort of surrounding him, they're intimidating him because they'd like to have somebody. They can't get anybody else to go inside and, and beat this, So they figure they could scare this guy that doesn't know his rights to do it.
1: Yep, exactly. Exactly. Uh, and it gets better get a little better. There's a little bit of icing on the cake. Okay. Uh, he says, quote, I feel like I'm living in communist Russia, not the United States of America. For someone to jump into my life like that, he said. The FBI and the Department of Homeland Security, which enforces the no-fly list, wouldn't comment. In October, Homeland Security sent Marshall a letter saying it had reviewed his file and that, quote, it has been determined that no changes or corrections are warranted at this time. Hmm. So not only did they... Offer him to get him. Offered to get him off the no-fly list. Uh, now, when he refused, you yeah. know they're sticking it to him. Here's a knife. We're gonna That's... stick it in your shoulder. And don't like it? Too bad. Without
0: any evidence that he's done anything wrong. Da, 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 so, what's the da, appeal process? It says in there. How, what's his official appeal to get things set right?
1: Well, there is no appeal process. I mean, you can send... How the, can that be in America if you've you you been that,
0: accused of something that you don't have a way to appeal? Yeah. Uh, I thought we were supposed to have courts and things like that to appeal that kind of thing. Well, uh, you know, it's funny because... Now, now, let me ask you this. Is that not a type of um, legal search and seizure? Sure. And the seizure uh, totally. part. Because they're restraining his free travel. Well, they'll say, oh, no, you, you know, there's still ways you can get around it. But, like, you can't print off your boarding pass. Mm-hmm. You know?
1: That's... Freedom of, you know.
0: You're having more restrictions than you have if if they didn't put you on it.
1: Mm-hmm. So, I don't know much about the no fly list, but is it like literally that it, they don't allow him on an airplane?
0: Well, let let me tell you what happened to me. Okay. Oh. Um, I flew all the time. Mm-hmm. I worked for the government. I worked for the military. I had a, um, I'll say this. I had a secret security clearance. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did work loyal American. You know, sixteen years. I was still and doing, then after that 16 you became well, disloyal. Well, No, I became uh we <laughs> were relocated here yeah. could no longer work at the military installation. Mm-hmm. Uh but I was developing technologies that are helping the warfighter protect mm-hmm. them that are used right now. Uh and still working on projects like this. Uh and I decided to go to Alex Jones uh conference in Los Angeles, 911 Truth conference. Mm-hmm. When I went to print my boarding pass out to go there, suddenly I couldn't print it off at home, you know, within that little 24-hour window when you get it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I go to the uh, – I can't figure out what's going on. I go to the airport and find out that I'm on the no-fly list all of a sudden. Wow. Just when I began to go on that trip and uh, had been flying all the time without anything. I said mm-hmm. – and, and first of all, they didn't want to even answer why. I said, there's got to be some reason. What? Why can't I, you know, get my boarding pass and a real coy, and I finally got him to admit that I was on a fly list, and I asked him why and they said we can't we can't tell you this is at the airport mm-hmm. um and so basically, what happens is is that they will not let you get your boarding pass. you have to go to the airport, they have to look at your driver's license, you have to bring all sorts of identification, they have to go through it before they will let you fly so like at the time, like the Southwest that I flew. It was like first come, first serve for morning passes. Mm-hmm. So you were for sure going to get a center seat and yep. no overhead luggage space because of this. Great. And I talked to a few other people that ended up on the mm-hmm. list about how do you get off of it. And they said, mm-hmm. you can, there's a procedure to submit. But what happens is you have to turn out like 20 years of your background data that takes you like many, many months just to compile the data. And you send it to them. And they said they make no promises. Um, most people still didn't get it overturned to make sure they'll say, well, we got to make sure you're not some other guy with your name as a terrorist. Hmm. And um, I think one guy after several years finally got off temporarily. Um, and these are just other business travelers. Mm-hmm. And so um, since then, I came off of it. And I don't know how. Then I was back on it again. All this is in the really? last four or five years. I was back on it again, and then I was back off. So now who knows what's going to happen this time. So there you go. There's some dirt on me, if you want to know. And I've never. Sorry, man. All they could say is there must be somebody with your name that's a bad person. That's what they said. And I figure it's enough punishment if they have my name. Imam
1: you Imam Mike Bennett. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so hey, Bennett. Yeah. Oh, I gotta get please. the shady shady look. So. Yeah. Would you like to have a little bit more? Info? Yeah, give me more. Oh, did some I interrupt more. you? Are you more on the story? No, no,
1: that, that's it. Okay.
0: Um, we mentioned oh, the Clarion yeah. Fund. Mm hmm. That yeah, paid we're for give this us some info uranium. On the old Clarions. And the uranium uh, thing. Well, mm-hmm. this goes deeper and deeper, so we can only go so far. I wonder if they're uh, related tonight. to
1: Clarion Insurance.
0: I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Clarion Fund. I guess it's like the Clarion Call, basically. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, just, this just starts out with Wikipedia information. You can go to their website and get more information, like I did. Um. Here, here's some more info about them. Clarion Fund is a New York City based nonprofit organization founded in 2006 whose stated mission is to, quote, educate Americans about issues of national security with its main focus on what it calls the most urgent threat of radical Islam. So that's what the, uh, this Iranium. A lot of these documentaries are popping up on WorldNet Daily or mm-hmm. Fox News are being promoted heavily.
1: Translation. Frame the debate.
0: Yeah. And there's heavy money promoting this, okay? Mm-hmm. So their focus is basically radical Islam and to show the threat of it, okay? Uh, you probably see a theme with what I've the last few weeks have been saying. The organization was founded by Canadian Israeli film producer Raphael Shore. The Clarion Fund has collaborated with pro Israel Media Watch organization Honest Reporting in the production of its films. Honest Reporting originally was a project of Aish Hatora, a Jewish educational organization but now is a fully independent entity. The Clarion Fund uh, has also collaborated or had their films shown at venues such as the Hudson Institute, Heritage Foundation, Library and Archives Canada, and Fox News Channel. The group has been involved in the production or distribution of documentaries such as Obsession, Radical Islam's War Against the West, The Third Jihad, and Iranium. In 2010, the organization announced an advisory board including Frank Gaffney, Jr., uh, 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 Dr. Z- 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 Zudi Jasser uh, Daniel and I think it's Peeps it's P-I-P-E-S Director of Middle East Forum mm-hmm. and the founder of Campus Watch and they mentioned several other people here from the Hudson Institute Okay.
1: Do they include uh, the the uh, 1972 Petiano Massacre in that?
0: I, I'm seeing How about no, the
1: Argo 16 plane bombing?
0: No, I don't see anything in that uh,
1: The assassination of Italian Prime Minister Aldo Moro
0: is this because of like radical Islamists did that? No, because they're the only ones to do that Because kind of those stuff.
1: are all those those came out in Italian federal court that those were done by uh uh that was state terrorism.
0: State terrorism. Yeah, state false flag terrorism. Well, they're they're mistaken because radical Islamists really the the does that stuff. Okay, it says according to Clarion Funds incorporation papers, it is based at the same address as Aish Hatorah, a pro-Israel organization. The three founders of the Clarion Fund. Are or were full-time employees of Aisha Torah. Raphael Shore, the leader of the Clarion Fund, is also a full-time employee of Aisha Torah. But they're not related. Uh, Clarion Fund initially denied its ties to Aisha Torah, which were first discovered by an IPS investigation in 2007. The international, re- so, see, so they're trying to cover their tracks. Mm-hmm. They're try- They're trying to deceive the public, okay, of who's behind this. The International Relations Center reports that the Endowment for Middle East Truth was Clarion's distribution partner for the Obsession DVD. EMET's advisor include former Israeli Ambassador Yoram Edinger, a former chair of the Ariel Center for Policy Research. Obsession, Radical Islam's War Against the West, uh, was released in September 2008. The group attained attention by distributing free copies of the film Obsession Radical Islam's War Against the West, produced and co written by Shore, by mail, and in newspaper supplements. The fund has reportedly sent 28 million DVDs to at least 70 wow. newspapers in the U.S. to place at the doorstep of newspaper subscribers. The DVDs were distributed almost exclusively in swing states. The DVD's website, radicalislam.org, uh, endorsed uh, John McCain in September two thousand eight before being pulled down. Now, I know you and Chris White have distributed a lot of DVDs. Is it anywhere we close to twenty eight million? Twenty eight million—that's for sure. Would you assume that take a little bit of money? Yeah, to mass produce twenty eight DVDs. Yeah, divided? that's
1: exactly. It's funny you mentioned that. I was doing that, in, doing the math in my head, and it's it's an insane amount of money.
0: That's a lot. Of, do you think those people who ever had that kind of money might have strings attached to money when you write those kind of checks?
1: Yeah. I don't know how to produce twenty-eight million. Let's say you do it for thirty cents. That's still, you know, one third of twenty-eight.
0: Think that's how like, many people's minds you've changed if one percent of those people watch it and buy those arguments.
1: Yeah, it's, it's almost it's almost ten million dollars just to manufacture the DVD, DVD. if you do it at thirty cents a DVD, right? You know, right. With, that, with shipping and everything, right, right, mean, right, right. It's right.
0: like right crazy. Amongst its notable content, obsession intersperses scenes of Muslim children being encouraged to become suicide bombers with shots of Nazi rallies. The movie starts with a disclaimer. Now, this is a film about radical Islamic terror, a dangerous ideology fueled by religious hatred. It's important to remember that most Muslims are peaceful and do not support terror. This is not a film about them. It's a film about a radical worldview, the threat it poses to all Muslim and non-Muslim alike. That's nice for them to say that, and then they show the and they children in the in the Nazi rallies. Yeah. Despite this statement, the DVD's content was controversial. The film features Walid Uh You remember Walid, mm-hmm. the 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 bank bomber mm-hmm. or non bomber, uh, who, according to the Huffington Post, said Islam is the devil. So I don't know if he that quite fits with that disclaimer when Islam is the devil, but. The NPR called the DVD inflammatory. The film draws parallels between Nazi Germany and monolithic Islam, according to William Week News & Record, a newspaper that refused to distribute the DVD, calling it fear-mongering and divisive. National Republic Radio reported that it is unclear as to who funded Clarion's distribution of the DVD. Clarion claimed it used only money from U.S. citizens. Uh, allegations of McCain's support, uh, the ind- endorsement of John McCain on the website of the DVD Obsession, was noted by several media sources. Okay, The Patriot News reported that the website stated, uh, McCain's policies seek to confront radical Islamic extremism and terrorism and roll it back, while Barack Obama's, although intending to do the same, could in fact make the situation facing the West even worse. The Huffington Post referred to the distribution as a propaganda campaign. The National Public Radio received complaints just because it was sent to swing states formally endorsing one political candidate. I don't know why. Yeah, How could Um, you call
1: that a propaganda tool? Uh,
0: Who knows? The NPR received complaints from listeners who said the DVD seemed like a partisan message in favor of McCain. The Group Council on uh, American Islamic Relations filed a federal elections complaint against Clarion Fund. Kerr alleges the free distribution of the documentary Obsession was designed to help John McCain win the presidential election. He also claimed Obsession is intended to foster hatred of Muslims. Because they are a non-profit, tax-exempt organization, the Clarion Fund is not legally permitted to intentionally influence voters. So do you think that they were intentionally uh, uh, influencing voters by saying that John McCain was going to, what uh, protect the nation, uh, whereas uh, Obama was going to roll back the protections. He was going to. Does that open sound like influencing?
1: And, yeah, by the end of his four years, he was going to be walking around in a dish dasha
0: <laughs> well, openly. Yeah, it, the, some of the some of the comments get sounding similar to that as, yeah. as things go on. Um, okay, uh, Clarion Fund director of communications Gregory Ross later acknowledged that the article crossed the line and would be removed. The Clarion Fund has denied that it endorsed any candidate and asserts that they are a non-partisan organization. Well, they just said they basically was an endorsement on their website. Now they're saying, no, it's not. Okay, um, their other movie, The Third Jihad, Radical Islam's Vision for America, is a 72-minute documentary released in May 2009 and produced by an NBC News journalist and Clinton administration advisor, Eric Wirth. Uh, unlike its predecessor, the Third Jihad focuses on Western Europe and America, not on worldwide radical Islam. Third Jihad in the title refers to, according to the filmmakers, the rise of Islamic terrorism. Uh, the filmmakers claim that, that Arabs uh, spread throughout the Middle East and Northern Africa in the 7th century, and then the t- Turkish push into Constantinople and Southeastern Europe in the 15th century when the first and second jihads. This film starts with a statement, this is not about Islam, it's about the threat of radical Islam. Only a small percentage of the world's 1.3 billion are radical. This film is about them. And then focus on that. Former uh, New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani stated that Third Jihad was a wake-up call for America. Now, their latest movie this year, Iranium. In 2011, the Clarion Fund released a film called Iranium, which focuses on the history of Iran's government since 1979 and perceived threats associated with the Iranian nuclear program.
1: I'd love to see them include about five minutes about the Iranian government in 1953.
0: You mean the ones that the Americans and British overthrew? Yeah. The democratically that elected one. government? That one. I don't, I don't see that in here. It says, Clarion Fund has been criticized for what some see as close ties to Aisha Torah. Jewish educational organization. According to Clarion Fund's incorporation papers, it is based at the same address as Aisha Torah, a religious organization. And according to the International Relations Center, uh, Ellie Clifton said that the Clarion Fund was attempting to stir up a climate of fear in the United States. So I'm going to stop at that. Uh, But this Aisha Torah is a very interesting group. In its own manner. Well, I tell you what, if you can give me one break while you're getting your story up. Yep. Let me just read something off the Clarion Fund website to be Sweet fair to them. Rolling. Okay. Um, by the way, here's some of the things if you go to their uh, uh, website, the Clarion Fund. Um, some of the things you can learn there is uh, understanding radical Islam, taking action, uh, the stealth threat of petrodollars, Sharia finance, um... Homegrown threat, U.S. mosque, U.S. prisons, U.S. Muslim enclaves, uh, by LGBT. So they're worried about gays and bisexuals, mm-hmm. the conservatives uh, on that. Um, the religious threat to Christians, Jews, uh, uh, the global threat of terror oil, Arabia is what they're calling, I guess, Europe now, Um in the Sharia Law. It says uh, Clarion Fund Incorporated, this is in their own website, is an independently funded nonprofit that produces and distributes documentaries on the threats of radical Islam. Uh Clarion Fund was founded by Raphael Shore in two thousand six. It is also the founder of Imagination Productions, a distributor of films related to Jewish education, and Jerusalem Online University, a portal for online education. Uh previously Shore served as senior post on Aisha Torah. Okay, and. So
1: it's like the same people over again and same, everything's the same.
0: Well, Aisha Torah is very interesting. Now, um, let, let me just mention a couple people who are involved on the board. Frank Gaffney, uh, on the board. Uh, Claire Lopez, uh, formerly served as an officer in the Central Intelligence Agency. i probably sort of surprised the CA might be involved in this. Uh, Walid Ferrez, guy you see on TV a lot. Um,. He's the author of The Coming Revolution, Struggle for Freedom in the Middle East. He's an advisor to the U.S. Congress on the Middle East and teaches global strategies at National Defense University. Um, and then this Daniel Pepys uh, is one of the guys in it. Uh, also, uh, Ilan Sharon, uh, executive director of Mus- Minnesotans Against Terrorism. He was a son of Jewish refugees from Libya and Egypt. He lectures on the issues of terrorism, threat of radical Islam, and the struggle for peace in the Middle East. He aided in the production of Obsession, Third Jihad, and uranium. And then Sarah Stern, founder and president of Endowment for Middle East Truth. Uh, she has served as a national policy coordinator of the ZOA and director of government and legislative affairs for the American Jewish Congress. She is the founder and president of EMET, a think tank that educates policymakers about the common threats to democracies at the hands of radical extremists. And then General Paul Vallely, who's a guy you see a lot on Fox News when they're dropping bombs. He'll come mm-hmm. in and sort of a hawk. Founder and President Stand Up America. Uh, Valley, a retired U.S. Army Major General and Senior Military Analyst for Fox News. He currently serves as the Military Committee Chairman for the Center of Security Policy. And if you go to radicalislam.org, that's one of their sites, uh, thirdjihad.com. And, uh, you can find out some more about them. So, a little bit more about Clarion. I'm thinking their emphasis is on radical Islam. In Sharia law. I don't know, maybe I uh, could. I don't know. Could um, be something else. Well, I will save my comment. I'll have one more little. Uh, I'm enjoying on this, this. But eventually. I want you to go. Well, go to. Go to your I'm
1: like I'm over here furiously typing on the computer, looking stuff up. It's like, really, is that true? I well, mean, it yeah, gets it gets
0: deeper. Okay, right. more deeper than what I'm going to finish tonight. But just this week's stuff. Okay? Oh my so, gosh! Uh, give us another story. Bro. All
1: right. Well, do you want to hear about? You know, I was planning on talking about the U.S. Army kill team in Afghanistan. But I guess it's already made like front page news, right?
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, how about? Up to 300 pictures are they just taking from They cut off body parts yeah. of them and show them off and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, well, here's one that I covered a little while ago, mm-hmm.
1: um, uh, about the ATF gun walking scandal. Basically, the ATF was selling guns to Mexican gangs and stuff and under a patina of various nonsense. Uh, so it turns out a second A second ATF agent has has stepped forward to to talk publicly about this. Um, ATF gunwalking scandal: second agent speaks out. And this is from one of those uh, entirely conspiratorial news sites called CBS Evening News. Oh my goodness! So I, you can't trust anything. I can't hardly trust extremist sites. (laughs) Yep, they're probably in league with the. You know,
0: CBS was the one that actually, I think, actually talked about how the uh, Taliban had the office in Kabul. Yeah, you know we kept, we're trying to find the Taliban so we can kill them. We're looking desperately for them. Mm-hmm. But if you get a if you get a contract, a government contract, a contractor, you go to their office. All the contractors know where it is. Meet with the Taliban, and they you actually pay them a payment, and they won't attack mm-hmm. your convoy.
1: Percentage of your whatever it is mm-hmm. to build. Whatever so they you're building.
0: they take your money, my money, other taxpayers. Mm-hmm. Taliban is given their their cut by the contractors. Everybody's happy. I guess, except us. Yeah. But when we're delete, when we're diluted, I guess we're supposed to be happy too, if we don't know about that. So yeah, that's another one of those crazy stories. Sorry to yeah. sidetrack. It's, CBS. it's okay.
1: That's okay. I mean, there was one that I saw along those lines where it was the uh, the Australian, the main Australian base in Afghanistan was surrounded on three sides by poppy fields. Uh, at the same time, they were saying that they were going out to destroy him.
0: If they could find him.
1: Yeah, if they could find him.
0: That's like Nobody
1: look over the fence, but other yeah, than that.
0: That's like Osama bin Laden. Just cannot oh,
1: find that guy. Yeah, I know.
0: With all the untold trillion trillion. is like dollars Houdini and D.B. Cooper. Well, you've seen all the high technology he has a, a burrow and stuff a like
1: burrow that. And a burrow and a, and a video camera. You get that walking cane. And the cane. Yeah. The cane, yeah. Yeah, hopefully that. <laughs>
0: it's probably like a lightsaber. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Hit the story. Else.
1: ATF gunwalking scandal. Second agent speaks out. ATF allegedly encouraged U.S. gun sales to Mexican drug traffickers. Now there's evidence other agencies knew about the program, to say the least. South of El Paso, Texas, on Mexico's side of the border, lies Juarez, the most dangerous city in the world. It's pretty scary. Mm-hmm. CBS News investigative correspondent Cheryl Atkinson reports ATF page special, a, special Agent I'm gonna have to talk like slow and well I had same problem. Yep. Yeah, special Agent Rene Jacques uh, has been stationed there for the past year, trying to keep U.S. guns from being trafficked into Mexico. That's what we do as an agency, Jacques says. ATF's primary mission is to make sure that we curtail gun trafficking. That's why Jaquez tells CBS News he was so alarmed to hear his own agency may have done the opposite, encouraging U.S. gun dealers to sell to suspected traffickers for Mexican drug cartels. Apparently, ATF hoped that letting weapons walk onto the street to see where they'd end up would help them take down a cartel.
0: Mm-hmm. Maybe
1: they have, like, a tracking device in them? You know, like a GPS in the sure, gun stock? It's not
0: for us to question. I'm sure they know.
1: Yeah. Good good point, good point. Mm-hmm. Jaquez is so opposed to the strategy, he's speaking out. You don't let guns walk. I've never let a gun walk. Yet ATF agents told us they were ordered to let thousands of guns walk. Two of them, uh, assault rifles, were later found at the murder scene of Border Patrol agent Brian Terry in Arizona last December. Another gun-running suspect under ATF surveillance was linked to the shooting of Customs Agent Jamie Zapata. And sources say many more walked quote-unquote, weapons turned up at a Mex- at Mexican crime scenes. Jaquez said, I think this incident is probably one of the darkest days in ATF's history. I'm not even close. But yeah. ATF wasn't working alone on the case, known as Fast and Furious. That's their code name. Documents show ATF had conference calls with DHS, Homeland Security, USMS, that's the U.S. Marshals, mm-hmm. uh, and the DEA, Drug Enforcement Agency, as well as ICE, Um Uh, They were advised by the AUSA, or the Assistant U.S. Attorney, under the Justice Department. Um,
0: So they weren't just some kind of rogue part of ATF doing this. No, it was was a large
1: strategy of of overarching high levels. From the top down. Yeah. Justice Department head Eric Holder said the Inspector General is investigating. The aim of the ATF is to try to stop the flow of guns. I think they do a good job in that regard. Questions have been raised by ATF agents about the way in which some of these operations have been conducted. I think those questions have to be taken seriously, and on that basis, I've asked the inspector general to look at it. Um, Jaquez is his second sitting ATF agent to come forward and speak out to CBS News on the controversy. Jaquez says one of the most difficult things for him is believing that his own agency inadvertently put innocent lives at risk. Jacques has family, uncles, aunts, father, and sister living in Mexico. Any one of those could have been shot with one of these guns. Uh Jacquez says he's left wondering whether runaway violence in Mexico can be blamed on the agency tasked with stopping it.
0: Well, what do you think the motive
1: is? Uh I could tell you exactly. Let me find the slide for that.
0: Uh speak a little closer to your mic there, buddy. Oh my am I low? Yeah. Sorry.
1: Sorry about that. Um, I would say it's part of what's called the strategy of tension and the strategy of tension is all about, uh, it's all about doing things so that you can have an authoritarian government come forward and love whatever it is you're doing. Um, they blow stuff up, uh, and they blame it on somebody else. They shoot people in the street and they blame it on somebody else.
0: What motive do they have for the these supposed gang people to have all these weapons to kill a lot on the border?
1: Well, because then they can say that what we need to do is we need to stop the flow of guns by taking them. You know, just Away the way we stop the way we stop the flow is like nobody gets
0: them. inside here.
1: Yeah. Exactly. That would be my if you know. Yeah. I'm I'm not an uh, an expert, but a
0: simpler way is if there's more action on their shooting, that means they get more money in their budget for this kind of stuff. That's the but other what thing. What you too. said is even darker, though.
1: Well, uh, it it tends to go along with the idea of uh, well, the strategy of tension. Uh, it's yeah, yeah. I, a theory that describes how world powers manipulate using pub public opinion with fear and propaganda. Uh, but it really has all the marks of you know a false flag thing, mm-hmm. where uh, things start happening the people who are in charge i mean, charge. Is, I
0: mean you don't think of it as classic terrorism but if they're giving weapons to these gang people to use against either their citizens by the border or ours yeah that's basically terrorism sure uh,
1: you can you can describe false flag terrorism as a tactic of violent action employed by any type of group uh where the end result is not just is not just the, the death of whoever they're killing mm-hmm. or whatever they're doing, the violence in and of itself is a message generator
0: mm-hmm. and it won't be attributed to the people that originally initiated, yeah,
1: if they did a good job, right if I, they did a good job. yeah, unfortunately, that there's a lot of smart people out there,
0: well, speaking of other groups manipulating others to create an atmosphere of terror, mm-hmm. you know we've just talked about the Clarion fund producing these videos it has mm-hmm. and you we've mentioned that they sort of have the same address. The same people working for them work for this Aisha Torah. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you like to know more about Aisha Torah? Please. Again, this is simple information anybody can take off without any kind of digging, okay? This is Wikipedia. Basic info with, with references at the end that you can look out there. So if anybody wants to double check this, check the references, okay? This is Aisha Torah. Means fire of the Torah. It is a Jewish Orthodox Ashkenazi organization and yeshiva. Aisha Torah Is actively pro-Israel and encourages Jewish people to visit Israel and connect to the land and its history. They're the ones doing these for America. Messages for America about radical Islam and Sharia, okay? Mm. But it's not coming from them. It's not being advertised through them. They're the Mm -hmm. ones running it, but they're sending it through Americans. Okay? So there's, they don't, they try to cover up their ties. Some investigative journalists have found the ties, but they don't advertise it, okay? Mm -hmm. So it's a different nation. It's another nation outside of ours that is influencing the American people through American agents and go-betweens. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, it says, from a religious perspective, however, it follows a Kredi, I guess, philosophy. Some have asserted that the organization reflects a more religious Zionist philosophy in its attachment to Israel, promoting Jewish pride and sending young American Jews to Israel. The organization's stated mission... Is providing opportunities for Jews of all background to discover their heritage. Its headquarters are in the old city of Jerusalem. The government of Israel awarded it 40% of the land facing the Western Wall.
1: 40% of the land?
0: Facing the Western Wall, which is pretty prime territory Holy to give up for God. the... Yeah. Whoa. says, the organization has branches in 35 cities around the world. Each branch has independent governance and funding. In Jerusalem, Aisha Torah Yeshiva offers both beginner's drop-in classes and full-time intensive study program for Jewish men and women of all backgrounds and levels of knowledge. Areas of study include Hebrew Bible, Talmud, Jewish history, Jewish philosophy, and Hebrew language. Uh, a U.S. accredited college, Yeshiva, Yeshiva offers degrees to college and university-age students. In 2010, the world's largest replica of the Jewish temple was installed on the roof of the Yeshiva.
1: Whoa.
0: Okay, and that would that wouldn't be you know getting the Muslims worked up or anything like that or provocation, but I, I guess I-, I don't know. Is that I-, I don't know if that's the one on in the U.S. it's put on or the one in Israel. If it's the one in Israel, it would be overlooking the Temple Mount. So I know that's over on the Temple Mount, that's they could crazy. see that that temple sort of looking over, brooding over them. Um, uh, it says it is a one-sixty scale model of the temple as it looked. Uh, before its destruction by the Romans in the year 70, okay? So it's Herod's Temple. You remember I've referred to the Zionists in the past as Herodians? Yeah. Uh, they, they're, that was Herod's, Herod's Temple, temple. Yeah. yeah. It weighs 2,400 pounds, necessitating the use of a construction crane in the installation. Oh, that's almost they're, as
1: heavy as I am after eating. <laughs> yeah.
0: They're pretty serious in their in agenda in here. Uh, Where did they get all here? this money I'm very it's curious. This
1: is crazy.
0: In time I have data here to show you some ideas where some of this Uh-oh. money comes, okay? Um, it says uh the rabbinic ordination program combines classical Talmudic training with intensive instruction in outreach and leadership skills. Two hundred and fifty men have graduated from its rabbinic program. Some have assumed leadership and religious roles in Jewish communities around the world. Aish.com, the organization's home on the internet, features endorsements from a range of celebrities, including Steven Spielberg, Mikhail Gorbachev.
1: That's an odd one. is really?
0: interesting? A globalist uh, uh, New Ager? Mm-hmm. And Margaret Thatcher. Aish Torah founder Noel uh, Weinberg was credited with taking a non judgmental approach to outreach. He even welcomed atheists and non believers to the organization Yeshiva, saying that he would make them better atheists. I think it's a no, noble goal. Um, Aisha has been described as right wing, and Jeffrey Goldberg of the Atlantic Monthly has described it as just about the most fundamentalist movement in Judaism today. Okay. Yeah. And I they're believe the ones that. involved with sending these I'm, DVDs and all they, of our are newspapers.
1: They, I mean, are they, do they do weapons training along with the. Bible well, we'll, or- I'll,
0: I'll tell you some more here. Adam Schatz of the London Review of Books describes Aisha Torah as having close ties with the Israeli settler movement. Okay, Aisha Torah was established in Jerusalem by the late Rabbi uh, Noah Weinberg in 1974 after he broke away from the Or Yitzh Yeshiva, which he had co-founded. He died in February 2009 in Jerusalem. Philosophically, Aisha Torah has an eclectic approach that blends the traditions of the Ashkenazi Lithuanian yeshivas, as well as Hasidic Ju- Judaism. Rabbi Weinberg himself was a product of Lithuanian schools, but he also was a grandson of Slavner Rebbe, um, and, uh, let me, let me scoot down here. It says, uh, the name basically means fire of the Torah, it was inspired by the Talmudic story of Rabbi Akiva, the once illiterate 40 year old shepherd who subsequently became the most famous sage of the Mishnah. Now, I meant to look this up before the show and ran out of time. Isn't Rabbi Akiva the one who... The guy who, who
1: rewrote, uh, tried to rewrite, uh, the history of, of Abraham or something Well, like that? I
0: think it was his student that rewrote the times where they changed the uh-huh. schedule. Oh, uh, no, 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 you're right. That, his, his student was the one who did the Masoretic text which took out a lot of the references to Christ from the Septuagint. But Rabbi Kiva was the one who, if I remember this right, and our listeners can check the reference, Rabbi Kiva was the one who coronated uh, Bar Kokhba as the Messiah. Yep. And he became basically the tradition of Kabbalah mm-hmm. who would do the Messiah. And he was the one who changed their calendar and took a bunch of years out of their calendar so that the 69 weeks of Daniel would line up with Bar Kokhba instead of Jesus. So, that's the guy that they are trying to model themselves after. Okay, worldwide, Aisha Torah operates about 35 full-time branches on five continents, providing seminars, singles events, executive learning groups, Shabbat, and holiday programs, and community building. In Jerusalem, it has built a high-tech main campus and outreach center that features a rooftop vista overlooking the Temple Mount and the Kirk Douglas Theater, which will house a dramatic film presentation of the Jewish Contribution to Humanity. Scheduled to open in 2009, you know we need to do something like that. Somebody could produce a video about future quake contribution to humanity that we oh could show gosh. for visitors. Yeah,
1: wouldn't that be cool? I think we need out there in the out there in the second the you know the secondary waiting room. out in
0: our rotunda. Yeah, scheduled to open in 2009, the outreach center anticipates one million visitors annually. Also recently opened is a branch of the Shiva in Passaic, New Jersey. Aisha Torah runs the Discovery Seminar, which uses methods such as the Bible Code to explore the authenticity of Judaism and its relevance to modern times. So the Bible Code is connected to this. The -hmm. four-hour seminar presents an overview of the entire gamut of Jewish history, philosophy, and attempts to answer questions such as, Why be Jewish? Does God exist and is the Torah true? The seminar has been given in hundreds of cities throughout the world at university campuses, Jewish community centers, and Reformed, conservative, and Orthodox synagogues. More than 100,000 people worldwide have attended the seminars, in, in, including guest hosts Ed Asner, Kirk Douglas, Elliot Gould, Joe Gray, and Jason Alexander, you know, from Seinfeld. Um, in 2005, Aisha Torah produced a documentary film, Inspired, which chronicles the lives of selected ballet teshuva, or returning to Jer- Jerusalem. Jewish observance. Aisha Torah believes that the high rate of intermarriage between Jews and non Jews has diluted the Jewish people's vitality. So it's like
1: a race theory thing.
0: Well a little bit. Um, y- well, uh, if, you're if you're saying that
1: yeah, if you're saying that it's diluted the the, the Jewish vitality. vitality, then that's your you're, you're, those, those you're in eugenics territory. kind of thing, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, AISH, New York, has the largest group within the executive learning program with over 40 participants. Board members include Seth Horowitz, CEO of Everlast Worldwide. Uh, I don't know if that's the... the Is that like a um, vodka or is that something else? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Neil Cole, CEO of Iconics Brands. Julie Greenwald, president of Atlantic Records. And Ron wow. and CEO of 5WPR. Phil, uh, the Jerusalem Fund of AISH, H- Torah has brought important political, business and entertainment leaders on private missions to Israel to increase their support for the Jewish state. Uh, as well as the Theodore Herzl mission. Um okay, I'm getting near the end here. Um like with,
1: Everlast the boxing gear?
0: I don't know. I was thinking it was maybe the drink, but I don't yeah, know. Well, I don't you, you know. You mean Everclear maybe Everclear. So yeah. m- maybe it is the boxing gear. Yeah, I was going
1: to say Everlast is a huge hey, I company.
0: think you're right. See I don't I'm a I don't drink so I don't yeah. know uh, when the well, Isra- I don't
1: I don't box or drink so okay well. I can't say anything about the boxing
0: yeah um, usually grappling. I do All rope a dope grappling. I do yeah. rope a dope with Mrs Future yeah just let her wear herself out there you yeah. know while I take the body come coast. back at the 13th, 13th yeah. round when the Israeli Foreign Ministry sought to combat anti-Israel ideas on college campuses it called on Aish Hatorah to develop the Hasbara fellowships okay. So they're countering uh, anti-Israel ideas on college. This program has flown hundreds of student leaders to Israel for intensive training in pro-Israel activism training. In North America, uh, has Barrow Fellowships guides and funds pro-Israel activities at over 100 college campuses. Wow. So if people, if they hear a campus in America has anti-Israeli ideas, they will spend money to start taking these leaders at the campus and flying them to Israel. Uh, His Barrow Fellowships uh, groups have met with Prime Minister Netanyahu, Shimon Peres, and other prominent leaders from across the political spectrum. Nearly 2,000 students have participated in the fellowship since the program's founding in 2001. And the Aisha Torah partnered with the Alpha Epsilon Pi fraternity to run an official Israeli trip for their undergraduate members. Um, it says, uh, now, there's another group affiliated with them called HonestReporting.com. It was established with the assistance of Aisha Torah and has existed as an independent organization since 2001. It is the largest organization in the world fighting what it describes as anti-Israel media bias. Honest Reporting scrutinizes news agencies worldwide and then alerts its 150,000 subscribers to respond to the media directly. The relationship Aisha Torah has with the Clarion Fund and the Islamic terrorism documentary uh, the, uh, the Clarion Fund is distributing has proved to be controversial.
1: Boy, you bet. Uh,
0: The Clarion Fund, introduced and established in 2006, has refused to disclose its financing sources for either film or make its producers available for media interviews. So it's completely – they've sent this stuff through the newspapers, but they weren't going to talk about who's behind it, okay? It has been reported that there exist a number of informal linkages between the Aisha Torah and Clarion Fund, including the Clarion Fund, according to incorporation papers, shares an address with Aisha International – the fundraising arm of Aisha Torah and the Jerusalem Fund. The Jewish Week reported that at least six top Aisha Torah officials are tied to Obsession via Aisha spinoffs, including Clarion's president and two vice presidents. Rabbi Raphael Shore, executive director of the Clarion Fund, remains a full-time employee of Aisha Torah. The, the, these are pretty firm connections, I think. They're not, you uh, know, yeah, they're not, they're not peripheral, okay? T- well, you just said he was a full-time employee, right? Full-time employee, the yeah. guy putting the documents together. He said the Clarion Fund has denied any formal links with Aisha Torah. The Jewish Week reported that Clarion spokesperson Gregory Ross, listed as an Aisha Torah international fundraiser, on a June 2001 federal election contribution form or 2007, denies any formal connection between its activities and Aish. Okay. Except for
1: the, except for the full-time employee that Aish is paying for and is working for. Except for like, all that. Yeah.
0: Formal or informal, Sarah Posner of Jewish Week reports the ties between Aish Hatorah and the production of the films appear to date back to the launch of the media watchdog group Honest Reporting. Uh, the founder and former executive director of the Jerusalem Fund of Aisha Torah, Erwin Katsoff, in 2001. According to Jewish Week, Honest Reporting released Obsession in 2005, as well as a previous film, Relentless, The Struggle for Peace in the Middle East, in 2003. The group now denies any involvement in the production of Obsession, but its website promoted it as an Honest Reporting project in 2005, the year it was first released. Hmm. So they've been caught in direct lying. Yeah. But not that they'd be up to anything questionable. Okay, but they just don't want to take any credit for what they're putting at. Posner reports that Raphael Shore, the producer of all three Islam-related documentaries, is the twin brother of Ephraim Shore. Okay, the twin brothers. Ephraim Shore heads Aish operations in Israel and is listed on Honest Reporting's 2006 tax forms as the group's president. Um, Aish Hattor has been criticized by Rabbi Jack Moline over its close links with the Clarion Fund. The spiritual leader of Agudas Akim Congregation, a conservative synagogue in Alexandria, Virginia, described Obsession, a film distributed by the Clarion Fund, as the protocols of the learned elders of Saudi Arabia. (laughs) On the matter of the shared staff... Now, that was a Jewish group saying that, right? Uh, On the matter of the shared staff between Aisha Torah and the Clarion Fund, Rabbi Jack Moline was quoted to say, It is distressing to me that they, Aisha Torah... Would continue to have someone who's promulgated such awful, awful stuff sitting on their border staff. The group has been criticized by Marshall Brager, who served as the White House Jewish liaison uh, from the 82-84. Uh, he, he criticized Aisha Torah for distributing the anti-film obsession. Um, so there's more I'll drop here, but you know there are people that we will hear from that will sheepishly tell us. They're Christians, Bible believing Christians, believe in the return of Christ and everything, mm-hmm. that the modern nation of Israel is doing things to manipulate the church in our country and has a full court effort to basically, for their preservation, mm-hmm. work through things like this to manipulate it. And the response for most people to them is, you are a blatant anti Semite. You, for making those claims. There's no such you thing. You
1: are a godless heathen. It's completely untrue. How dare you? And
0: even if you say something like that, you're going directly against God yep. uh, and because this stuff can't be true. Let me ask you this. How can you read this stuff and and not make that connection?
1: Well, Ward Boston said, for more than 30 years, I have remained silent on the topic of the U.S. liberty. I'm a military man, and when orders come and from... come." In from the De- Secretary of Defense and President of the United States, I followed him. However, recent attempts to rewrite history compare me to share the truth. You know? Yeah. It's like,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, um. He was a loyal U.S. officer mm-hmm. that, that exposed a cover-up mm-hmm. about the Israeli attack on our ships. Mm-hmm. Uh, killed a bunch CIA of our CIA
1: Director Richard Helms. The Board of Inquiry concluded that the Israelis knew exactly what they were doing in attacking the Liberty. It's the CIA director.
0: And when we've covered this before, it was mentioned that in the testimony came out that there were airplanes in the air with nukes flying to Cairo Mm -hmm. um, that were planned to go. Lyndon Johnson called back the airplanes from rescuing the Liberty when it was attacked by the Israelis. Mm -hmm. It was intended, he said he wanted that blankety-blank, ship going to the bottom. Mm-hmm. And every intention from Dean Russ on down, they understood the Secretary of State that the intention was for that to be sunk, blamed on the Egyptians so we could nuke
1: Cairo. Mm-hmm. Ward Boston says later on in his statement, it is important for the American people to know that it is clear that Israel is responsible for deliberately attacking an American ship and murdering American sailors whose bereaved shipmates have lived with this egregious conclusion for many years. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and got ridicule and other kind of things. Yep. Now, I can't speak for you. I will tell the listeners the way, you know, I'm always trying to reassess the Bible and different mm-hmm. things and what God's planned. I still see God has a role sure. for a remnant of Israel in Absolutely. the last days that, that for his namesake, for his glory, promise to Abraham, he will redeem them. But in the meantime, he's got to put them to terrible, terrible turmoil for them to repent of what they're doing and come to him. And as long as any nations come to their aid, that will delay their turning to him. So I, I for one, believe that God has a work he's planned to do through them. That does not mean that when you see things are done to meddle in another country, where they're meddling in our country, actions that put our people in jeopardy, or vice versa, us meddling in their country, that that's anything that's directly part of God's plan.
1: For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly. Nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart. By the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God.
0: What kind of crazy internet source are you reading that from?
1: ESV, uh, Romans 2, verse 29, 28, 29.
0: Never heard of it. How, How should that influence Christian thinking?
1: Oh my gosh. What was that? We have a we have a mutual friend. I'll tell on a little bit who had a conversation with somebody at one point, and their rejoinder after hearing her, hearing her, uh, um, you know, uh, remarks about improving whatever Uh ministry she was she was asked to evaluate. They said, "Now look here, I don't know much about the Bible, but I know common sense."
0: (laughs) Well, that was a phrase I heard directly from a deacon, no, in a deacon's meeting. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, do Scary. You, I can do a little different kind of story uh, and give this a break. Basically, I found out who uh, I, I went and looked up. You mentioned the the scapes. Yep. Uh, they're an interesting story in and of themselves, but I know that's a little deep. Scapegoats. Uh, to go to go what they're going. Uh, bottom line, what you're going to find here, and I don't know if this means this is the end of the story or not, but we can cover some more next week. Yeah. Is that when you find this, these kind of activities going on and you see it this popular on TV or when they're putting 28 million CDs, some, DVDs, somebody's got to write the check. Somebody's got to pay for this stuff. Mm-hmm. And when they do, there's strings attached, whether it's the left or the right. Now, if you watch Glenn Beck and other stuff, he does a very good job of tracing the left uh, bankrolling by – by, uh, I just blanked out. Who's the big
1: You know, he's basically like doing Bible studies now on his on his radio show. Well
0: who's who's the big um I, I just blanked out. The the big money guy on the left.
1: Soros? Yeah, George Soros.
0: Okay. Yeah. So he's he's done a good job seeing how George Soros fingers is actually energizing all this stuff to their base. Okay. Okay. The right also has their money men. The scafe gentleman, as we find out, is the guy bankrolling a lot of this. So are the Hunt brothers. Who helped form the Council of National Policies?
1: They're gold guys?
0: Yeah, the, the, both Hunt brothers. They're—I um, thought they were in silver, but I can't remember. Yeah, they, tried, they, they
1: tried to capture the silver market, yeah. and then the gold. They're market. the ones
0: working. They helped form the Christian Organization CNP. No, but, really? Yeah, oh the Hunt brothers. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, when you watch television and you see these talking heads from the Institute of whatever, whatever that are going back and forth always remind yourself there's one billionaire talking against another billionaire Mm -hmm. through their proxies. And these people, unlike your friends here at Future Quake, are actually getting big checks to carry the water for these people and to Mm -hmm. carry the agendas. And it's true on the right, just as it is on the left. And you can either choose to believe what they have and assume they're giving you the unvarnished truth, or you can go look for independent sources. But what I would submit to our listeners and you just seek the Lord about this, it is not good enough just to know what these people are doing and to know, to recognize there's an agenda behind what they're telling you. But I feel like we have a Christian duty to warn fellow Christians. Sure. I think... Even if we get ridiculed ourselves for doing it. Well... And to call names and put things you, like that. get
1: gets you put in the good category of the, 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 the prophets, you know?
0: Yeah. So. I think I remember in the Hall of Faith, well, I was talking with a brother today about how, uh, I think, well, I think you brought up, uh, Joel Steen, talking oh, about great. how God, the sign from God, you know, that He's pleased with you is He will bring you wealth and prosperity and stuff like that. I'm paraphrasing, so I don't know mm-hmm. the picture. But how much that contrasts to God's testimony in the Book of Hebrew, of the Hebrews of the Hall of Faith, of the prophets mm-hmm. who said because of their faithfulness to God, they were naked, they were hungry, they lived in caves. They were persecuted mm-hmm. all about and it says that the world was not worthy of them.
1: That's it, man. And it
0: says when you have uh diverse manifold trials, mm-hmm. count it all joy, my brother.
1: Yeah, I know. That's a boy, that's a hard verse for me sometimes, but um you know, you compare and contrast since we've been talking about Hebrewism, mm-hmm. you know, Aisha Torah, yeah, and you know, Christianity and, and sort of the things. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to look at the two to look at the two covenants, you know. The book of Hebrews is sort of arranged in uh, a sermon form like this, yeah the, the Zion the Zion Covenant was, yeah. you know the you know, God exists and dwells in Zion, and he's made this new covenant through Jesus with his people, where mm-hmm. there's these new you know paving stones of gold and stuff. and then you've got the Sinaitic covenant, which was you know, the law and death, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, kind of sneaking around and um, all of that stuff. And it's interesting to see, like, kind of like what goes around comes around, you know? Yeah. You've got the law, the debt, law and death sneaking around, manipulation, things going on behind closed doors. Uh, although, if, if, if you, what you were sort of alluding to, that these people might be, in fact, Herodians and mm-hmm. not, uh, you know, certainly not the Jews inwardly, you know, Romans 2, kind of Jews. Um,
0: Can I explain why I consider them Herodians? Yes. Okay. One thing that inspired me to think about it this way was that I I heard some Orthodox Jews talking about the current Zionists that run Israel today. Mm -hmm. The Orthodox are the ones that are serious about practicing their faith. They called them Edomites. Mm. Uh, That's how they referred to them, Edomites, which is a real slam. Okay, because Edomites are real enemies of theirs. Mm -hmm. Well, the more I started thinking about that, the Edomites became at the time of Jesus, or at least some portion of them, the Idumeans. Now, you correct me if I have my history wrong, because I make mistakes all the time. The Idumeans, if I understand, were the ones who sort of took sort of a vow that they would be Jews, even though they weren't like the official Jews. Yeah, it was like a political vow. They became sort sort of of Jews in exchange for taking over power. And they took power over the real Jews by being sort of pseudo-Jews. And then they became... Herod was the head Idumean. So he put all his people, his Idumeans, in power... They were de facto Jews over Israel, even though they had no real connection or roots to Judaism, and they ran the show. And they were in cahoots with the New World Order group at the time, which was Rome, and so they did the bidding of Rome.
1: I can't say that I, I can't that I can't say for sure that that's right, but that certainly sounds like, you know, I I hate when you look at me like I'm supposed to know everything.
0: Well, because you know so much more than I do, and I oh show my. my idiocy all the time. You, you know, I'll have to check my extensive staff. Hopefully they must can correct be the, me.
1: You must be the Antichrist or something, because to say something like, I know mm-hmm. more than you. You've been reading my that's
0: emails. Have, that's how they usually describe me. That,
1: that just means that you've
0: had a severe head wound, and yet you're still sitting no, here. Serious. Well, and it's interesting that that's who was in power when Jesus came. Mm-hmm. When Jesus came the first time, the Idumeans were present, and he had a lot of things to say to them. Remember, he called Herod that fox. Mm-hmm. Of course, what Herod wanted to do was kill him. Uh and and then you also had uh the Romans to deal with. But his main concern was the Herodians. I submit that since this time, because again, we don't have a religiously observant leadership in Israel. Hmm. Never did. The whole Zionist movement was started with atheists. It's been that way. That sort of a Herodian environment has been set up again, maybe on the advent of the second return hmm. of Jesus. Interesting.
1: Uh, one of the things that I've noticed about both the Pharisees uh, and the Sadducees and the Herodians, you know, yeah. they all they all viewed Jesus as a power center, a political yeah. or perhaps spiritual, right. but a power center. And they all tried to either corrupt or control them up until. Uh,
0: well, let me ask you this. All you right. just said this. OK, you inspired me. I thought uh-huh. who is Christ's proxy in the world today?
1: Me and you and all the other Christians.
0: What are they doing to the Christians in America today?
1: They're deceiving them.
0: They see him as a power center. Yeah, and they're trying to manipulate them for their agenda.
1: So That's my point. That's my point. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. Yeah, jump. Um, that's well. You. That's because I was listening to yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it's interesting that they. It's interesting. Well, as you as you mm-hmm. uh, you know elaborated there. Um, uh, they tried to control that power center uh, until John 12 when. Jesus healed uh, uh, Lazarus, and there were some people there in the crowd who Mm -hmm. saw it and reported it back to the uh, religious authorities there. And that's when they decided to kill Jesus. Yeah. Uh, Because, you know, having the keys of life and death like that, that was the one thing where, uh, you know, uh, religions of all types, not just Judaism... Orthodox or, you know, even kind of the mystical Kabbalic forms, but even the even the far-out mystery religions and the other pagan religions, if they saw that somebody had the power over life and death, yeah. they would go, that's divinity right, right there. Right. That you, we right. cannot argue with that. Life right. and death, they have it, divine. And it's interesting to see that Jesus is exercising that prerogative there in John 12, and shortly thereafter they decide, we got to
0: kill him. Yeah
1: and Lazarus
0: right you know right exactly exactly and uh it's just very curious that these same kind of activities sort of sort of pick up again mm-hmm. and you know when I, when I say this again I'm not pointing at those even though they may be blinded by a veil as the Bible says that, that still seek to please God because we live in a fantasy world where a lot of these leaders we've been told in the evangelical world that oh these are just like the Jews of the Bible just like King David that's what these people are They're just like King David because, as I've told this story before on the show, when I have been over in Israel working, I've heard some of the people I was with basically say their utter contempt. They and all of the Israeli public at large for the the practicing Jews. Well, they haven't for a couple of reasons. One is they won't participate in the the army and things like that. But Mm -hmm. they said, you know, the main reason they told me they said was that they don't believe that the current nation of Israel is legitimate. The Orthodox don't. Because he said only Messiah can establish the nation of Israel.
2: Hmm.
0: Now, you know, Christians have pointed out, well, the nation is supposed to return in unbelief. And that may be what we're seeing. But that still doesn't mean that God doesn't have some winnowing to do. I think Isaiah 17 is the beginning of that winnowing. Hmm. And I don't relish that. It breaks my heart. If that's, if that's true, then that means a lot of people in war are going to die in Syria are going to die in the surrounding nations and even in Israel. Hmm. But it says the byproduct of it. It says then men in Israel are going to turn their hearts toward their Maker. It's interesting that the
1: Orthodox share that view about uh, uh, the Messiah setting up the setting up the kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and the Bible, uh, the New Testament. You know, John, the Gospel mm-hmm. of John. They say he is Elijah who's to come, and Jesus says in several places. My kingdom is here. God's kingdom is here now. Yeah. You know, and it now exists in his people. And it seems like the ultra-Orthodox, it'd be interesting to to see their take on that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, look, guess what? The kingdom kingdom is here. It was set up under the Messiah. Mm -hmm. It's just not the way that you think
0: about it. I was floored when I was at that meeting in Montreal and the Kabbalah specialist Mm -hmm. spoke You can hear the audio. It's on the front of futurequake.com. When the Kabbalah specialist spoke after my talk, where they debated my assertion about the preeminence of Jesus, and he said that they had known for a long time that um, Jesus was the Messiah. What? They had known for a long time that Jesus was according to him. But basically they had turned against it. I mean, they rejected it. But it was understood amongst them that Jesus was the Messiah. You know, they have an outer thing saying Jesus didn't qualify to be Messiah. You know, that's why we reject him. And when he first told me that when I was just in the hall after my talk, I was, he asked me questions, he mentioned it. And I thought I misheard him. So I went and got Pastor Chris, who was there with me, and I brought him back, came to the same gentleman again briefly before they started up again, and I asked him that question again, and he repeated it at that time. And if I recollect correctly, it's on the audio of the thing that's on the front of Future Quick. If that's true, now who are, I don't know how broad I, a cabal, man, is, but that is willful disobedience against an acknowledged truth.
1: Yeah, exactly. I'm 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 trying to wrap my head. You've told me that before, but I'm trying to wrap my head about around all of that. Um, oh man, that's crazy. All
0: i we we better step lightly, I guess, is what I'm saying. I'm sure glad, like I have a garden.
1: You know, I got this nice garden. that's growing stuff, and the, you know, tomato uh-huh.
0: plants are pretty
1: like foolproof.
0: Well, I tell you what, I'll give you credit for. You got to go out there and do that to keep your head together. To recognize there's good things happening because this stuff will get you depressed if you do. It. I mean, you only do it 23 hours a day. You'll actually take that time yeah, to go do a, it. Yeah, take a, you know, and a, you go, you go do it. But the thing is, you don't stay there. You will come back and get back into the fray. Mm-hmm. Most Christians I know. This stuff gets so complicated, it gets disconcerting, makes them feel bad. It doesn't feel nearly as good as a Joel Steen conference. Mm-hmm. So they want to go back to what makes them feel comfortable.
1: You know what happens when you eat junk food? You get stupid. That's what happens when you eat junk food. Well,
0: that's why I just stick to a strict white guess. diet. diet. <laughs> Got to bring your IQ groups. down
1: just to be able to yeah. talk to us all.
0: Well, I, I can't say it's all the food groups in White Castle because it's really not on the on the uh, food pyramid. It's somewhere on the <laughs> edge. It's,
1: it's barely in the periodic table.
0: Hey, can I close with a? Um, I don't want I want to read some couple emails here, but all right. Uh, can Can I do a story that's like not that old stuff about what I was just talking about okay. the infiltration, manipulation? You don't want to hear
1: about the undercover soldiers storming the Iraqi jail. No, Go no, I it. want to hear yours. Go for it. Uh, this one's actually from 2005. You know, tell you what, I will read this. I've been I've been waffling on on whether or yeah. not to put this in my um presentation. Okay. And but I'll put it in the presentation. So okay.
0: now so people have to come.
1: Now listeners, you have to come to the Politics of Religion conference to there hear you. about the uh uh how the uh uh the governor of the Basra province turns out was saying that uh British citizens were driving around with a car of the Cresetta type that was booby-trapped, laden with ammunition, was meant to explode in the center of the city of Basra in the popular market.
0: British people were actually going to do some kind of terrorist thing?
1: Actually, special forces, yeah. Or at least according to...
0: uh, Next thing you'll say is that they meant to blame it on somebody else.
1: They sure did.
0: Uh, That can't be. Well, let me just say something modern and upbeat, okay, to get away from this thing about... The, the impact of the, the Israelis influencing the American Christian and political center, okay? This is something that just happened in Jerusalem Post. Uh, Palin at the Kotel Tunnel, okay? Um, despite an informal private visit, likely U.S. presidential candidate and husband to have, to have dinner with Netanyahu, Okay, that's talking about her. Former American vice presidential candidate Sarah Palin expressed support for Jews praying openly at the Temple Mount on a visit to the Old City of Jerusalem on Sunday, officials who accompanied Palin said. Palin and her husband Todd arrived for a two-day visit on Sunday afternoon and toured the western wall and its adjacent tunnels. They will visit the Old City again on Monday, tour Gethsemane and the Mount of Olives, have dinner with Prime Minister Netanyahu and wife Sarah at their official residence in Jerusalem. Netanyahu has already met in Jerusalem over the last two months with a number of leading politicians considered as likely candidates through Republican presidential nomination, including former Massachusetts Governor Mitt Romney, former Arkansas Governor Mike Huckabee, Mississippi Governor Haley Barber, and former New York Mayor Rudy Giuliani. So all these candidates are taking a number, basically, to go get their credentials punched by, punched, by right. Netanyahu. Uh, they're concerned. I, the only one I didn't catch in there was uh, Ron Paul. He's, he's not there yeah, for Yeah, he it. doesn't have a but ticket stub. He's probably not welcome because yep. he doesn't want to give any foreign money to anybody mm-hmm. and, and try to buy friends. But they're all getting their credentials done here, which, you know, it's funny. Once you get to be a world leader, like, you know, president, then you have to go to the Vatican and get that done. Mm-hmm. You know, Tony Blair, but this is what they're doing now.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of tickets that got to get punched if you're a world leader, man. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised. Yeah,
0: to just look out for the best interest of America and America alone. Yeah,
1: it's interesting that neither of us care about having our tickets punched. Now, a
0: lot of people would like to punch our tickets, I hear. Yeah. But
1: a lot of people would like to just punch me. Yeah, that's true. I could think of a few emailers in particular.
0: Um, it, says, uh, it says, World Lakud Chairman and Likud uh, Member of Knesset, D- Danny Danon and Western Wall Rabbi Shamil Rabinowitz served as Palin's tour guides on Sunday night. Palin was told that Jews were not allowed to pray openly on the Temple Mount and about the Arab riots that accompanied Netanyahu's decision. To authorize the creation of an exit from the Western Wall tunnels in '96, her response was, "Why are you apologizing all the time?" Palin asked her guides. Uh, Great. So, so she's like, you know, "Why are why are you all so condescending to the to the Muslims?" Mm-hmm. So she would be a lot more hawkish, for example, than Netanyahu on things like this. Um, Did they give her a tour of the uh, Masonic Temple in the? In the basement? Yeah. I, I, they didn't mention that in here. Hmm. Uh, Palin expressed, or, or even the Nimrod statue that they put in front of the uh, Hebrew up University up with the yeah, uncircumcised right. uh, hunter, as yep. uh, they say represents them. Palin expressed regret that she would not be able to visit Nazareth or Bethlehem during her brief stay in Israel, but promised that she would soon come back for longer. Let me reiterate again. I believe God will be faithful to his covenant with Abraham, and he will save a remnant and be of his word. But he is going to get rid of those who do not do what he says. Mm-hmm. And if we don't agree with his word in that, then we stand to be in his way. Much like Jehoshaphat was when he went to go try to help the king of Israel. And mm. he was hurt heavily and and pronounced disfavor from God from the prophets because he did that wow. and came to Israel's aid.
1: Interesting. I hadn't considered any of that. Yeah. That gets missed a lot in Bible studies.
0: Yeah, you don't hear that come up in a lot of evangelical circles. But it's out of the Bible. Uh, Palin expressed regret that she would not be able to visit Nazareth or Bethlehem during her brief stay in Israel, but promised that she would soon come back for longer. It's overwhelming to be able to see and touch the cornerstone of our faith, she told reporters on exiting the titles. I'm so thankful to be able to be here, and I'm thankful to know the Israel-American connection will grow and strengthen as the peace negotiations continue. Rabinowitz said that Palin prayed at the closest point to the Holy of Holies and left a note with a personal prayer. Unlike the incident that occurred when then-presidential candidate Barack Obama visited the Western Wall in July 2008, nobody removed her note from the wall and gave it to the press, which I guess they did to him. Mm. She said that she absolutely supports Israel and that America is the biggest friend Israel has, Rabinowitz said. When Rabinowitz shared the story of Purim with Palin, she told him that it was especially meaningful to be at the Kotel on Purim. Uh, Danon said that uh, Palin's visit to the Western Wall of Tunnels was very exciting. She's really connected to the story of the Jewish nation, Danon said. Hmm. She knows the material, but there's nothing like standing in front of those big stones and hearing about the connection. I know she loves Israel, and after a visit like this, she has a personal connection with that Western Wall. He, I had a
1: hamantashan yesterday. Bless you. <laughs> it's a Purim cookie.
0: Oh, did you? Yeah, it was really good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, cool. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. You I didn't build,
0: build any gallows or anything for Haman or anything, did you? No, but Remember I, any?
1: I do. There is a couple of neighbors. Yeah. To okay. out.
0: That's where the Jews came out and killed a whole bunch of mm-hmm. people. wasn't it. Yep. In Purim.
1: Yep. Haman and this.
0: Uh, well, a whole bunch of people. They killed a whole bunch of them in the town. Oh side. yeah, like
1: like fifty thousand, yeah. I
0: think. I really think that's a foreshadowing of Gog Magog, but that's something else I'm writing. I think. Haman, uh, take Haman's name, mm-hmm. you add two Vobs in it. Haman the Agagite, the mm-hmm. Amalekite, that's prophesied in the future to attack Israel and be destroyed mm-hmm. in numbers. Mm-hmm. If you put the two Vobs in there, which are celebrated as hooks, you have Haman Gog, the burial place of Gog.
1: Hmm. Interesting.
0: And I believe those are the hooks that God says He puts into Gog to bring him against Israel. Okay. He called upon Obama to make his first visit to Israel as president as soon as possible. Palin, who was wearing a large Star of David, uh, told to not. Now, where's the Star of David in the Bible? By the way,
1: uh, it's not as far as I'm aware. Okay. It's it's it was actually as f- the the history short history that I understand about it is it, it was originally a uh, a cultic thing. Yeah. And oh, it's
0: a big occult symbol, the six pointed star. Yeah,
1: and it, it sort of it sort of made its way into the Star of David. Uh, you know, I don't know about 1600 years ago.
0: Some people said it's a Star of which I don't know if there's any truth of that. Well, That's a possible. Star they that that brought up out of I Egypt. I haven't seen anything yeah, con- I don't know conclusive for sure. But she was wearing a big, large Star of David, so at least she's wearing the official uh, signs of another country, not the one she's running for president but for another one. Uh, she told Denon that she had flags of Israel on my desk, in my home, all over the place, and that she would carry around a flag she bought in Israel. So it's not like she's she's not like she's influenced by a foreign government in her decisions. Mm-hmm. It probably she would still be objective and only look at the best interests of America. Yep. I'm sure. I don't. Well,
1: I'm sure. I mean, you can't do better than. What well, you, really,
0: what do you, know. do you think if if somebody like one of our politicians had all, even British flags everywhere in their office, wore them all the time, or France? What do what do you think
1: would happen if they were if you had uh, dual citizens in high levels of elected office.
0: Well, that's already true, isn't it? Yeah. Rahm Emanuel, wasn't he an Israeli citizen? Boom.
1: That's where I was going. The head
0: of Homeland Security, wasn't he an Israeli citizen? Yes. Um, so she didn't, now, you know, I sound like we're like some kind of storm front, storm tripper. Heaven forbid that's it, but it's, it's the facts, ma'am. And evangelicals have got to figure this stuff out.
1: No, let's 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 have stuff that makes us feel good. So she didn't
0: go into diplomatic issues, but I can clearly say from the questions she asked in relation to our conflict here with the Muslims in these holy sites that she knows we are right and that the Muslims are just claiming things of provocation and they're not right, Danon said. Hmm. So that's from the Jerusalem Post. So I thought I would get away from that other stuff I wrote, have something modern there. Yeah, something really uh, something uplifting. different. Yeah. Yeah. You got some emails to read some emails. We can close up with some emails here and call her a day. People are probably already incensed and burning effigies of us already yeah. here. Okay. Hey, that's
1: what we could market, is some bobbleheads of me and you. And that way, people who liked us could have a little bobblehead. People who hated us could a I think they'd the they like to have a Bobo
0: doll, where they can punch it and it bounces back. and it Oh, can that'd be cool. It. Yeah. yeah. We'll talk we to we that to Everlast
1: get, guy works for Aishatora. Yeah. Get us hooked up.
0: Yeah, he's probably already made one of us once yeah. he hears his show. Uh, this is from uh, Tim, Brother Tim, Futurian. Um Let's see here, let me make sure I read. I I didn't I didn't make a note on these and so I just gotta be careful I don't say something out of place. He's in California. Um he says, uh, Doctor Future and Tom Bionic, I'm really not sure how to start this. This is the first time I've ever written to anyone in any show, podcast or otherwise. Mm-hmm. I've just put down my headphones after listening to about three quarters of Future Quake podcast on three eleven. He says, I've just heard you questioning whether what you're doing has a chance for making a difference in today's Christian culture. And I'm feeling led in a huge way to write down the following. You guys through your ministry are making a huge difference in more ways than you could possibly know. And I am talking lasting change, change that will carry over into eternity. Mm -hmm. It's easy to fall into despair over the state of things of the world or the church. And sadly, that's what most people do. I've been there wondering why no one really cares to listen to the hard topics, why people would rather stay comfortably dumb and willfully choose ignorance over truth. It's just that in most places, the Bible has somehow become a rule book on how to live and the sermons have simply become get rich quick schemes with a few verses thrown in for good measure that sounds horribly negative but it calls us calls out the main problem the church is becoming more about us what God can do for us not what we can do for him so the congregation starts thinking the church has this cool set of rules for living and these rules are way better rules than the other guy has and with the right Christians in place our government can make the other guy fall in or out of line. Hmm. Why go to all the trouble of sharing the gospel with folks when the right government could force someone into being a follower of Christ? <laughs> Sounds like Brother, Brother intelligent Tim intelligent has uh, read my presentation. That's yeah. He's summarizing my presentation in the conference. I've heard that Lincoln was quoted as saying, if you look for the bad in people, you will surely find it. It's easy to find the bad. There's so much out there. Taking it out often makes me plain miserable, too. I used to think that this was a burden I was meant to bear. But since I've come to believe that God doesn't want me miserable, he wants me to lean on him to be joyful and at peace in spite of the bad, which I must still admit proves challenging. He says, my so- short-term fix has simply been balancing my search for hard truths with fun hobbies. And that's what I'm going to try to start doing next month, too, is doing that as well.
1: You're going to have a gar- garden as well? No. I said oh, fun hobbies.
0: That would be if I was on a criminal chain gang. They'd make <laughs> me do it. Um, and have
1: you ever had like a or- deep, organically grown tomato off- right off the vine?
0: Uh, no. I really don't like tomatoes yeah. or bananas. or my kryptonite. I'm
1: going to get some banana plants. They
0: take me to room 101, like 1984. <laughs> be every, like a bunch of bananas yeah. hanging from Bananas and tomatoes, yeah, yeah. I haven't confessed anything. He says, the sad truth is most people don't want to change. They don't want to do or try anything new to learn or unlearn or relearn. They just don't see the benefits. So then you might ask, how did I change? He says, growing up in a Christian household, I've always been around and involved in the church before experiencing a bit of a falling away toward the end of high school and college. This had nothing to do with experimenting or parting. Rather it happened because my church leaders could not authentically speak to certain problems that kept popping up. Problems of a supernatural origin. Um let me let me scoot over some things. Um he talks about some of the issues that he dealt with. Um some of these things you might be interested in. He says so I started studying anything else, taking classes, reading books. Oh, he he talked about some of these night terrors and things, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it's common for Christians, as you said. Yep. These are all things that my pastor and many fellow churchgoers told me were not real or unbiblical. Basically, I was either mentally upset or making things up. So I started studying anything else, taking classes, reading books, all in hopes of finding someone who could accurately explain what it was that I was experiencing. We hear this all the time, even our guys that are sort of pro-pagan people we've had on our show. Mm-hmm. Usually somebody in the church didn't step up and address their needs, and that's where they went that direction. Mm-hmm. Okay, But he says, In my search for truth, I somehow went from things like the Da Vinci Code to things like Behold a Pale Horse, and on Coast to Coast AM, where one night I heard Patrick Heron talking about Nephilim and pyramids. Huh. Isn't it amazing what God yeah. will use yeah. as critical things? Of course I thought he was nuts, as it all sounded unlike any Christian I'd, teaching I'd ever heard, and yet it was there in the Bible. From there, a simple Google search of the Heron book took me to PID Radio and then on to your fine show. Suddenly, I was on fire for Jesus, and supernatural things were making sense. And no one I knew wanted to hear about it. Huh. But the fact remains. I changed my life. I changed because life forced me to take on big questions, and that's when I went looking. You guys were there with answers. Now, it's four years later, and I'm still listening. And I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one out there needing answers. Very soon, many people on this world will be forced to reshape their worldview, and God's truth needs to be there to meet them, to give them hope, to give them peace. I'm sorry this on so long, but I guess what I'm attempting to say is thanks for being a guiding light for Christ when I've needed it. You're doing a great service, and I'm sure there's many other who could echo my appreciation. Sweet. That's Tim that's, that's good to hear. And it sounds like Tim has a testimony and a way to verbalize that He needs to have a blog or a show. Yep. Himself. Guess what, man? So Tim. Time
1: for you to get on the show.
0: You need to be telling more than just us. Yeah. Uh, and our futurians
1: about these issues
0: you know we have a legacy of people who sort of from hearing future quake not just johnny the longshoreman or others that have taken their own kick at the can now and have their own shows Mm -hmm. yeah and uh not that we take the credit or all are partial for it but we've had some role in sort of other people who probably much more legitimate than us
1: that makes our that makes uh my middle name all the more accurate remember what it was
0: from today yeah um I've already forgotten it. I just blacked out. I'm sorry. Uh, fluorocane cane. yeah.
1: You've got a primocane like a blackberry, it grows. Uh-huh. It doesn't produce fruit, Okay. but it grows. Okay. cane is the one you produce fruit. Okay.
0: So they're the fluorocane coming off your other so, cane? You no, know,
1: well, we're the canes, and we've given out primocanes, which are going to produce canes.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll take that. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are not related to cane. Um, our si- sister Marcy. Is that Mark on your head? Oh. <laughs> Sister Marcy, uh, who I always love to get her emails. Uh-huh. Uh, Me too. She uh, she mentioned something about um, um, the guy who I mentioned that was the head of the Knights of Malta group mm-hmm. that's tied into the other guys we mentioned. He says, "Wow, his name is Nicholas Papa Nikolaou. This is the same root as Nicolaitans, victory of over the people. So his name is Nicholas, father of Nicola father son of Nicholas." So I can't get more Nicholas Lee than that.
2: <laughs>
0: was it a prophecy that Tim LaHaye named his Antichrist fig- figure Nikolai? So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. And by the way, I asked for permission to read that. She says, you have my eternal permission to read anything I write you. So Remember that one Remember the caps. Mm-hmm. Right. In the New Jerusalem, I told her mm-hmm. I'm going to lean on that permission. Got just a couple more short ones here. Um, people are so me. This is Bob. Um, Bob says, uh, Hi, Doc about uh, the subject is you guys keep just keep doing it he says I just finished listening to the most recent Future Quake show and you managed to do it again your research into the evangelical players who are Knights of Malta or involved with some other group just blew me away very intense and thorough research another great show sadly the research you presented tends to support your hypothesis that the goal is for a holy war or at least a war under the pretense of God's will what a tangled web they weave these elites are just so deceived and evil may God have mercy on them Mm -hmm. I almost fell off my chair when you presented the new Apostles' predictions. At first, I thought it was a lark, but the further you read, the more I realized this was no joke, despite Tom's and your lighthearted treatment of the article.
1: It wasn't lighthearted. I almost couldn't see it. I know.
0: You couldn't take it. Tom was right. It did read like a horoscope. And I did love their qualification about, quote, it's not necessarily for this year, but for this season, unquote. So, how long is a season? Laugh out loud. What a joke and such blasphemy. These people give Christians a bad name. As you've mentioned before, it's no wonder the world hates Christians when these people are the face of Christianity. Sadly, unless they change their ways, they will have to explain their ways to Jesus in a face-to-face meeting. Once again, thanks so much for all that intense research and sharing it with your listeners. Take care. God bless Bob. So, You know, our our listeners always say it much more succinctly than I do. They're able to put everything together. Mm -hmm. Of course, they'd have like a 10-minute show for what we cover in two hours, yeah. so people wouldn't have as much to listen to because they would the say it succinctly. Messed up. Now, Murph. Yeah. Uh, this is the last one I'm going to do. Uh, uh-huh. This is from Robert, um, and uh, he says, uh, Future Quake is Awesome is the title, which I'll tell our listeners, if you want your email read, that is a good way to get it read is just to call it something like Future yeah. Quake is Awesome. Uh, if you have stuff like I Have a Bone to Pick With You, it probably would be you know, down the list to get to or yeah. where Future Quake is wrong, you know. Yeah. No, I'm teasing. I, I could
1: think of I was I was thinking of so many funny I'm, ones. I'm, I'm, I'm
0: teasing. He says, uh I give permission for this email to be read on the show. Um he says, uh Doctor Future and Tom, I'm a big fan of Bionicle. I, I know who you. This is. Okay,
1: uh, It's R.R. Okay. Not Tolkien. Okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he says for the past two months I've been listening to your podcast and I thank God for both of you. I was searching the web for an alternative radio broadcast that focused on the Bible and political spectrum. Thanks to a link on Chris Pentel's Adullam Films website, I was delighted at the content of your show. It seems many on the web focus only on the political spectrum of the Novus Ordo Seclorum, thanks to Alex Jones and his fruitful works. Few in the independent media focus on the spiritual battle behind the politics. As a believer examines the independent spectrum of media and embraces it through God's working of the Holy Spirit, they can come only to one conclusion. When you study the history of secret societies, you can understand the history of the world. This is a wonderful because the believer sees the world as it truly is. The Bible, and the redeeming name of Jesus Christ, Yahshua, is our guide in travailing the deceptions of the enemy and exposing his deeds of darkness. Because of your show and other Futurians who have taken up the call, I have started my own talk show broadcast entitled mm-hmm. Conspiracy Bereans.
1: He's also a Monster Go player.
0: We're also on Facebook. Yep. Yeah, he said uh, PS below, Tom we need another Go match soon.
1: Oh he he totally rocked me. I've always uh, wanted to like play Go and kinda learn
0: What what is this? I have not Go owned.
1: is a Go is a tile game uh that you play on a on different sizes of boards, nine by nine or thirteen by thirteen. Uh
0: you know, it's nine. Is, it, is it like a uh, what do you call that? A plant planter kind of thing, like a Ouija board where you put your hands and it moves around and spells out? No. Okay, it's nothing like that. Yeah, what you it's not a talking the board? The goal
1: is to the goal is to capture the most amount of territory mm-hmm. and to uh, capture the other person's um, uh, tiles. And they're they're just they're, they're just little round black and white sort of mm-hmm. like a stone, you know, a little flat yeah. kind of a tile. You put it on there like a checker or something. Yeah. You know, but they're black and white. Why
0: don't we make it's You inspired me. Why don't we make a Dominionism board game? Or you could have like these seven mountains you got to conquer. There you go. Or like and risk or yeah, say, something stratego, something like that. Stratego. That's what I was thinking. And you got to conquer them. Wouldn't that be pretty cool? Yeah.
1: You sank my ministry.
0: And you would like have like a religious liberty card that you get and you can overthrow religious liberty, or you can take other religions and say yeah. that they're not a religion so they don't get.
1: I was gonna say, and then you have like the usurp the throne card, and then yeah, it it, 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 it null and voids all other cards for like a turn.
0: And you have other leaders that you could anoint them by one of your apostles, so then you take them under your control.
1: This sounds like a good, a good Maybe thing. we need to work on
0: that. Yeah. Uh, to closing, I'm sorry that this person didn't say anything about that, but uh, we'll didn't mean to co-opt their email yeah. there. It, it, he closes by saying, the last three podcasts have been Future Quake's best work thus far. I pray for continued blessings, anointing and spiritual wisdom from our Father in Heaven. Shalom, Robert. So, yeah. thank you, Brother Robert. And somebody else who we need to mention, who's recently back from his mission trip in uh, Kenya, who we probably need to have on for a report about yeah, that cool. sometime, yeah. is our friend Merv, who can tell you how to contact us at FutureQuake. FutureQuake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at Dr. Future at futurequake.com. Time to go. And we yep. probably had a good 20 minutes worth of material.
1: I got five other stories, man. You want to hear
0: about... You think we you know, should just go like five hours a day, maybe? That'd be cool. I'm sure some of
1: our futurians would like it, and a great deal more of our futurians wouldn't. You know, it <laughs> probably wouldn't take
0: me any more time, because I could take all of the emails I answer, and I could just answer them out loud. Yeah. Like real time as they pop yeah. up in the inbox. As you get
1: angry over them instead of like like... Taking a second, and you can just be like, "Yo, i, mean, do be I don't
0: get angry. They're Actually, all, you don't. They're all. You don't. They're all. I w- love all of y'all. Yeah. Uh, we gotta go. Um, sorry if I said some inflammatory stuff here that was out of line. Please forgive me if I did. <laughs> um, J.P. I'm Morgan still,
1: says that the Portuguese government could fall tomorrow. I just saw that on my well.
0: It'll already be falling by the time this airs. So, yep. um, How's
1: that for a profitory prediction? Well, not really.
0: Yeah. Well, I just hope the language disappears because I want to still be able to hear Astra Gilberto sing the girl from Ipanema in
1: Portuguese. It makes me feel like I'm riding the elevator.
0: You know, we used one of her songs on our earlier Future Quake when we took live calls. I do remember. She sang that. Call Me. Uh, we're getting a little off track here. Ladies and gentlemen, it's great to be with you. We will continue our research, and as you know, things are happening quick in the world. Um, we'll try to keep covering it the best we can. Come see us at the uh, Prophecy Religion Conference, and until then, We hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Ciao. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake.